Hey everybody out there in the galaxy, it's time for another episode of Star Wars All In, the show that goes all in on all the details of the galaxy far, far away. I'm one of your hosts, Mac, and I'm joined by always my fellow theater-goer, Ross. Mac, it is great to be back. We have never been closer to a new Star Wars movie than we are right now. We are literally as close as we've ever been. Whew! So... I don't have a lot to say in this intro segment, except for one little thing. Okay. We do have a winner of our Lego set to announce. So you might remember last week we mentioned we were giving away the uh, 20th anniversary Lego, the uh, Endor mini build. Yep. Right. Here uh, in the season of giving. Here in the season of giving as it's winding down. And we just want to let you know that the winner was... Kremlin Cardinal. Yeah! Congratulations! Seriously, like, I, I was tempted to open it up, so I kept it pristine for you. I think you're going to really enjoy it. Yes, uh, it is on its way to you uh, by now. Thank you. Uh, we hope you enjoy. Yeah, Let us totally. know once it's built. Send us a pic. Yeah, yeah, totally. Send it through social media. We'd really <laughs> love to see that. And now for uh, this week's giveaway, we are going to have a mystery item. Ooh. So what I want you to do is today on Wednesday, December 18th, 2019, head on over to our Twitter account, twitter.com slash Star Wars All In, and check out what our giveaway is. Uh, It's a little bit of a surprise, so come check it out over there. I think you're really going to dig it. And so this is getting to the end of the season of giving. We'll have one more next week, right? I believe, yes. We're going to have one more after this. And then we will close the book on another Wookiee Life Day for For the year. Um, For now. Uh, which also remind, reminds you, um, we have decided to make all of our shows um, seasons. So season one of Star Wars All In ends um, actually next week with our holiday special because we're going to do a special holiday special next week uh, talking about things with a friend of ours about all the fun of Wookiee Life Day and the holiday yep, special yep. and all kinds of stuff. Um, but we want to let you know that uh, starting on uh, January 1st, uh, not much will probably change for you, but for us, it's going to change a lot. Um, we'll be starting season two, uh, which will be the 2020 version of our show so just look forward to uh the art and stuff changing in your podcast you might hear some different sounds and stuff we're we're still figuring that all out but just (laughs) letting you know that after the first of the year this show might sound a little bit different even if the content's pretty much what you've come to know and expect yeah we're not changing anything with our really uh what information we'll be providing you the way we're going to be doing topics all be very very similar but a few fun little changes. Basically, we're just trying to make it better. We're taking yep. some feedback we've received, and uh, we're going to do some new and interesting things. So we, coming we, your way, we've got a few tricks up our sleeve uh, for, throughout the whole year of 2020. Yeah, so it's going to be a lot of fun. And again, we're just refining it. The shakedown run is over. We've been doing this for three months or yeah. more. And so... Yeah, we've only been a podcast for like 100 days, which is kind of crazy right now. It's kind of nuts. So this is like our office season one. You know, we're only... Mm. It's shortened... So in, it's yeah. uh, just to so see if we season, can actually do it. Right. In season two, the characters are more established and we get to the meat of the humor and the meat yeah. of the storytelling. That's what we're that's what we're hoping for. Um, <laughs> but today, I uh, just want to let you know, we're going to do this kind of really off the cuff. Uh, we're we're going to record basically our feelings of when these movies started. So like as we get close to being, you know, just a little bit away from the launch of episode nine, we're going to be talking about our experiences of the previous episodes and when they came out and the theatrical experience of seeing Star Wars. We're going to spend some time, maybe about, I don't even want to make a guess about how long these are going to take. Let's say about 45 minutes, probably <laughs> under an hour. We're going to Let's talk about the Lucas era of these and what we thought when, for our timelines, when our 
when we started seeing the special editions all the way through until, yep. um, you know, the Disney sale. And then the second half of our show is going to be the Disney era and what they've been doing since 2012 when they bought this thing. And we'll probably talk a little bit longer about that just because there's maybe more controversy well, we were together during those yes times. that's true that's so we true. have a little bit more to say this podcast we were... begins because of that yes very much so uh so mac i'm so ready to get into the theater let's go watch the movies let's go ago in a galaxy really close and it feels like a lot longer ago than it should there was a a world where star wars was created not by a mouse but by a man and uh this plucky little company called lucasfilm had made some really good deals with 20th century fox and was producing uh star wars again so uh, let's take the Wayback Machine back to, say, 1996. And there's these THX versions of the VHS copies. And the later copies came with a little thing at the beginning talking about, well, I'm, I'm going to build the special edition. It's going to be uh, back in theaters and it's going to be New Hope. But, like, I'm going to add new things that won't be controversial at all. Because <laughs> i got to say, because correct, correct me if I'm wrong. Those were our first Star Wars in a theater experiences, right? Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, okay. it was definitely the special edition of New Hope for me. It was the first time yeah. I saw a Star Wars film in the theater. Yeah, and, and that's what we're going to kind of, uh, I guess, reminisce here is the Lucas era. When, yeah. when George Lucas still had the keys to the kingdom, what that felt like. And, of course, our, our age prohibits us from talking about what happened in 77, 80, and 83, so we'll just focus on what we saw during the Lucas era. So yeah. I'm like you. The first time I saw Star Wars on the big screen, the first time I saw it, to be honest, in widescreen format, because mm, okay. um, we weren't rich enough to have the cool laser discs or anything, <laughs> um, was the um, when the special editions came out, which was like May of 97, I think. Yeah, I think it was, sounds right. It was either the day or the closest Friday to the day that Star Wars came out in 97. Yeah, the 20th anniversary. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're on 40 of those now right yeah, yeah okay. coming up 43 next year um so i think we were both pretty much in the right age because we were both y you were a child i was so in 97 i would have been six years old you would have been that perfect like what the first generation a lot of them talk about like that six yeah. to 12 yeah. marketplace of if you were that age in 77 star wars blew your brain it was 100 percent, i think designed for my demographic uh i had seen star wars about a year before you know as good mm -hmm. as my memory and my family's memory uh can attest to uh, i had seen the vhs copies the thx copies as we were talking about starting with empire then i saw jedi now I don't have a specific memory of seeing A New Hope at Home on VHS, but okay. I don't think the theater was my first time seeing it. Okay. But there's also a small part of me that goes, maybe it was. Specifically so, New Hope. A New Hope 
Because you had seen your ATATs in yeah, Empire so by specifically then. Specifically, A New Hope. A New Hope had stuck for me when I saw it on that special edition watching. That mm-hmm. was when it became, to me, the most enjoyable Star Wars movie. Oh, okay. Was seeing those X Wings on the trench run in the theater. Yeah. That I could see was that. the experience for sure. And and as a person who's had the opportunity to see Star Wars in theaters more than just that, like Yeah. Okay, just quick preface. I went to film school. My like first passionate love in media is film. Mm-hmm. I think there is nothing better in the universe than a tight two hour experience in a theater. Yeah. Um and for me, it's been this thing I, I do on my own personal Instagram all the time is a lot of times when I go to theater and I'm by myself, especially, I'll just like take a picture of my seat in the theater with the screen not running anything. And I just go, films are my religion and this is their cathedral. And there's just something to me downright spiritual about sitting in a building that was designed for this one purpose, which is to put a giant screen and show you a wonderful cinematic experience. Yeah. And Star Wars is something that is meant to be in a theater. And there's a part of my soul that is not disappointed. I feel bad for children that may never see the original films in a theater. Mm-hmm. That Disney Plus on their phone will be their first and most common experience and interaction with those films. Yeah. Which is... Not bad because the story is and and the movie is great. I'm never going to shame anyone for how they want to watch movies. But there is something to me about locking into the roller coaster and having this complete, you know, sensory experience. It's all absorbed. You can't look down at your phone because your senses are overwhelmed by this giant screen, this beautifully articulated surround sound, sound speaker system. And the movie is going to play. You you know, hopefully you went to the bathroom beforehand. You can't pause it. You can't stop it. You can't be distracted by other things. This entire building and this entire, you know, next couple of hours is only to watch this movie. And I don't know if it was the first time. I think I'd already experienced that maybe when I saw like Aladdin in theaters because I remember it was the first time I saw a movie where it was my family because we saw it so late in its run. Everyone else on earth but us had seen it. I remember that being an experience because I would, I would move around the seats and see what the movie looked like in different parts of the seat, which you couldn't normally do. But I remember when Star Wars came out, my parents had already learned how freaking down the well nerd I had become mm-hmm. about Star mm-hmm. Wars. Well, how and old so, would you have been in 97? Uh, 12 or 13. Okay. Somewhere around there. Um, so just, just arc. Basically, you're at like the bottom of the core demographic. I was yeah. at the top of the core demographic yeah. when this hit. Yeah. Um, okay. And it was an event. We had like a pizza party. And I had like five of my friends going with me to go see it. Awesome. And we we took up like one half of a row, you know, between the parents and us. And we um, buckled in. And I remember like I had maybe seen New Hope two or three times in its completion by mm-hmm. that point, usually on TV with commercial breaks. Sure, sure. Because um, we – I <laughs> reminding us of the facts of our podcast – I only had Return of the Jedi until like the THX copy. So maybe I watched New Hope on that THX copy the in the six months I had it between yeah. getting it for Christmas and like that coming mm-hmm, out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just remember it was an event. It was a big thing. Like it was almost like a birthday party in May as far as like my parents knew this was important. And I think also yeah. – 
Um, my dad, I think, was like remembering when he saw like Star Wars in college and going like, yeah, this is going to be cool because I remember seeing this in theaters. This is really cool. And I specifically remember it is the one time my mom suffered watching Star Wars with me. My mom does not hate Star Wars, but she thinks Star Wars is a movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of the many movies. My mom would be like right next to me if Gone with the Wind came back in theaters. But Star Wars, she's like, ah, I got the aliens and the lasers or whatever. <laughs> um, so I just remember her watching it and I, I just being like, mom's here too. This is great. The whole family's into Star Wars. Yeah. And um, specifically, I remember it being, again, like a religious experience yeah. of like when you, especially when you got to the new footage, because I didn't have Star Wars Insider. Like I didn't know it was coming. I didn't know what had changed. All I knew was that they were changing a few things. Yeah. So when you sweep through Moss Eisley on that swoop bike and it's, it scares the Ronto and for whatever reason, the scene that sticks in my memory and is still my favorite, well, okay, second favorite addition to the special editions is when the Millennium Falcon lifts out of Docking Bay 94 and that grill spins around and it starts blasting yeah. off. Because in the original cut, you just see them shooting at it and then a wide shot where it's in the background going off at a 45 degree angle. Yeah. Having that lift out gave it so much more energy and Absolutely. stuff. Absolutely, And that kind of motion, the way that ship yeah. moves, now we've seen that in other parts of Star Wars. That is yes. how ships take off now. That sort of slow movement up, that slow tilt down. But then pretty much they can get up to speed very, very quickly. Yeah, it's got that. Well, you get this kind of feeling like I think they must have by that point looked at like how, you know, space in our world works. Mm -hmm. And you can almost feel like the thrusters, like the like slowly positioning. And when it's there, then that afterburner kicks and just rockets off. Absolutely. Um, And um, I just I remember just being like in bliss watching yeah. that and I, I i probably didn't blink for half of it i i mean i get it i wonder if we were in the same theater uh it would have been it's the one I, I guarantee it's the one <laughs> i guarantee that i was in the theater that was your theater yes 100 percent. i know you were um, uh i mean I it's possible <laughs> I, it's very possible um what was it a cinemark then it would it been, was yeah. a cinemark there, um yeah. no 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 carmike Carmike, that's what it was. That's right. Carmike Cinemas. Uh, so very much like you, it was an experience going, uh, my dad took me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember us talking about it like, hey, they're going to be back in theaters and there's going to be new stuff in them. Mm-hmm. And that was about all I knew. Mm-hmm. So going in and watching episode four, uh, very specifically, all of the dogfight stuff. So all of the Death Star stuff, yeah, the X-Wings, the Y-Wings, that kind of stuff. That was the stuff that stood out. But then leaving the theater and talking about what was different, like what was new in Moss Eisley, what was added in? Like, was that one speeder that was going really fast, you know, through the middle? Was was that new or am I just misremembering? Right, uh, right, you right. Know, like, oh, my gosh, you know, look, Jabba's in this movie. I know Jabba. Like, I know that's new. You know, And, and going <laughs> through that. And, and I, even then, I remember my dad, like, trying his best. But he's like, uh, I, I think so. You know, just like that. <laughs> yeah. Vaguely yeah, trying to, keep... like, hold on to, like, was it new? I don't remember. <laughs> just keep talking until you tire yourself out, kid. Like, you know, <laughs> it, it was one of those moments. Uh, but I, I really, really loved seeing A New Hope in theaters like that. And I, I honestly think that that is what kept me into star wars for so long 
is okay. just having that experience at such a young age. And I definitely went and I saw Empire and Jedi as well. But I don't really have any specific memories. You know, I, I, w- I was pretty young. Uh, I remember being there. I remember seeing, you know, the, the Haas stuff. And I remember watching Java's Palace on the big screen. So I, I know I was there, but neither of those really stand out in my mind uh, like episode four did for me. It gotcha. was just something about it that that really stuck. Oh, I, I and and I'm with you. I I mean, it was um. Again, I hate to keep like battering it on, but like it, it was a to me a a a, a religious experience. It was so yeah. great, um, which is why it like slaughtered my soul that <laughs> that winter when Empire came back. Mm-hmm. Um, Mom and Dad said we were busy, so. I never saw Empire. Oh Strikes. no! Actually, to this day, I have never seen Empire Strikes Back, my favorite Star Wars, in theaters. That's not true. We've seen it together. Oh, oh, you're right. I have seen it once. You are right. I, <laughs> I apologize. I have seen it once, but I just remember like that winter being like dejected, and it was yeah. one of those like the kind of thing you are as an annoying like you know, uh, you know, tween just going going like. Could we go this weekend? 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 And I just came and went. And I I was mad because Empire is already my favorite one. Yeah. You couldn't pull the it's my birthday coming up. Can't we go for my birthday? No, because um I was I was just trying to look it up. Like I couldn't find a good first hand source because so May of ninety seven is when New Hope came out. Yeah. I wanna say Empire came out like October or November mm, of that I don't year. Remember, yeah. And then I remember Jedi was like the following like spring or something. I remember Empire came out during the winter and I remember that that Jedi came out in like just before the spring I want to say. So, mm, I see. Um hold on. Uh, okay, okay. We we um we're not going to do this every time, but we stopped for fact checking real quick. <laughs> so, Memories are funny things. They don't work the way the reality does. <laughs> I'm sorry. That movie did not come out in May. <laughs> New Hope came out in January. So now I'm putting together the pieces. You were saying like, oh, you couldn't say, oh, it's almost my birthday. I'm like, no, no. I'm pretty sure we went to Star Wars New Hope in January of 97 for my birthday. <laughs> because it was real close. Yeah. Close enough that I'm sure that's what I had was a birthday party for that. Literally. That's why you had your, your pizza and your friends going to see it with you. Uh-huh. Yeah. So then February of that year is when Empire comes out. Yeah. Not six months like my child brain tells me it was, because child <laughs> brains work differently than adult <laughs> brains. Um, So in February, basically, I missed Empire. Yeah. And then I remember seeing Return of the Jedi because I had had a... I think I had a some sort of doctor's appointment might have been a dentist appointment or orthodontics appointment something happened in march of that year where it's like i was with my parents and we we had taken me out of school to do some medical thing in the morning and then my parents were just kind of like that other star wars is out and you've been moaning about about empire that's gone but you want to see return of the jedi i'm like yeah (laughs) and so uh we went and saw return of the jedi like on a random like one o'clock showing on a Thursday. That's the best time to do it. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure there was maybe like three other people in that theater when we saw it. Um, Cause I think it was like the opening week of its 
still. That's awesome. Um, so I don't have as fond of memory of that because again, I had seen Return of the Jedi yeah. to death. Yeah. So I don't remember any vivid things other than just thinking like, again, oh my gosh, this battle is gargantuan. Yeah. I can see everything. For um, for me, as well as I remember the the feelings of being in the theater yeah. and watching A New Hope, uh, and then the the little bit of memory I have of those other two. For me, the thing that stands the the stands out the most about the special edition releases is then getting the VHS box set that Christmas. Ah, uh, yep. A- and essentially, from that point on, every Christmas was was Star Wars. Yep. Uh, Star Wars merchandise, Star Wars toys, Star Wars clothes, Star Wars movies. Uh, <laughs> You'd been marked, and Mom and Dad yeah. knew, like, well, if we don't have any better ideas, we know what to get them. Yeah, well, even still to this day, I mean, just a couple years ago, uh, my aunt and uncle gave me, you know, a Darth Vader toaster and a C-3PO lawn ornament. Because it's just like, you know, it, it's easy to find Star Wars stuff, and that's just what ends up happening. And Star but, Wars fans are never like, oh, no, I have too much. I can't accept this. <laughs> So I got that that golden black Vader box set that uh, I I just love so much. And I, I watched those tapes, uh, you know, as many times as I could. You'd open them up and they had the McQuarrie art there on the mm-hmm. inside. And that still to this day, getting that is maybe the 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 most enjoyable or maybe most used present I ever got for a Christmas, <laughs> I think, uh, was that VHS box set. That's rad. No, special editions were were really cool, and they primed the pump exactly like they were designed to for two years later when the entire universe, I do know this was May this time. 100%. The entire universe, May 1999, was owned by one thought, which was Star Wars Episode One. Now, at this point, Little Ross was eight, so now I do have some actual concrete memories of going to see Mm -hmm. Episode One. So for me, episode one was a movie I saw on vacation. I didn't oh. see it in my local home theater. We were actually in Orlando, California at Disney World. Oh, that'd be a fun place to uh-huh. see it, though. And so we were at, uh, let's see, what did it have been called? Downtown Disney at the time? Um, The name's changed it's a few either times that or over It years. had some other name, like Disney Village or something yeah, like that. Yeah, well, either way. The shopping section of the disney parks yes either way there was that great amc theater there at the time Mm -hmm. uh and for a while was the only theater i had ever seen like that you know we had a really small theater in our hometown and to see this giant theater with multiple levels and Mm -hmm. all this kind of awesome stuff was was very unique uh and so i remember being there like waiting for star wars disney was selling star wars merchandise everywhere I had my Phantom Menace shirt. I was super <laughs> into the Pepsi cans. Like, I, I was ready to see this new Star Wars movie. I was pumped. Uh, again, just to remind everyone, I, I, I think we've already done this at nauseum. The entire American culture was focused on Star Wars. Yeah. Like, you couldn't go anywhere without yeah. seeing Darth Maul's face somewhere. Yeah. It was Everywhere. Everywhere had tie-in promotions. You know, Yum! Brands had their own tie-in promotions. Yeah, you could get Pepsi toys. You could get pizza in. boxes. They're... You could get soda cans. You could get toothpaste. You could get... Like, if it is a marketable thing, they put Star Wars on the box. Mm-hmm. Because people would buy it. And we did. And buy it, they did. <laughs> so, my first uh, memory was basically walking out of the theater in Florida. A nice, you know, moderately warm spring day. And just... 
being incredibly excited by mm-hmm. what I had just seen. Episode one was the best thing ever. Boy, the pod racing was awesome. And Darth Maul, he had two lightsabers. And mm-hmm. here we are in this incredible theater that is nothing like what we have at home. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, up until we get to you know some of these sequel trilogy things, definitely my best star wars memory as far as premieres go mm-hmm. the one that uh the one that really struck a chord with me for sure and i think the special editions brought me in and then episode one well you really is kind of the final nail in the coffin well for you you were again perfectly aged because you'd be like essentially like one year younger than anakin in mm-hmm. the movie so mm-hmm. like super Perfect, like, relatable yeah. age. Jake Lloyd was for, talking right to me. Well, you were exactly who Lucas had in mind when he wrote that story. Yeah. You you know, the 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 10 and younger kids is what he wrote that for was, yeah. was here's a modern fable for you. Yeah. Um, I was lucky enough that I was still young enough yeah. that I wasn't jaded. Yeah. Like, I didn't see it as, like, ruining my childhood or anything. <laughs> I saw it all for very face value and enjoyed it. And you had been, like, what, 14, 15? 14, about. Um, yeah, because it was two years later. Yeah, yeah I'm, like, 14, take, 15. Yeah. Um, and I just remember I, for a year or more, the entire universe was mom and dad's ultimatum for anything they wanted me to do was, <laughs> do you want to go to Star Wars? And then I find it funny looking back at that, like, because they really, that carrot dangled from that stick all the time for everything. I was probably on the best behavior I've ever been in the year of 1998 as I was preparing to be okay with going. Yeah. I had a dry erase board that I was keeping a manual countdown days. Yeah. Um, and I was just, there was nothing in the universe more exciting than that. In yeah. the lead up to it, a famous story with my, my best friend was we walked two miles down a major highway so I could go to the Kmart that I probably shouldn't have walked because it probably wasn't that safe, but they had new Star Wars toys. My parents weren't around and I could walk and I had $20 in my pocket. I want to see what they have. And I bought a stap. Um, I remember we had a vacation in like that November in Canada and I was in a comic book store and I was like, trying to flip through like um, all these like Star Wars insiders and trying to absorb as much information as I could. And like um, somewhere in like that spring, I was with my brother in a local comic book shop. And I remember specifically reading and looking through it and going, (gasps) as I found out that Darth Maul gets cut in half and going like, Oh my God, spoiled. I spoiled myself. I know why people avoid these now. (laughs) Um, And it was just kind of crazy. And then I think ironically, when I look back at it, like, yeah, my parents had my entire universe focused around that. And then my best friend Chris and his mom took me to it. <laughs> like they didn't even go. They, I, I don't even know if my parents have seen the prequels at this point. Like it's kind of ironic how much that was so important to me. And my parents were like, eh, yeah. Um, but we saw it at uh, a theater that was closer to him. So it's a theater like I've only gone to maybe four or five times in the area. Sure, sure. Um, so that kind of helped make it unique. And then. I mean, my mind was blown. Like, it was rad. It was one of those things of, like, I didn't have any preconceived notions because, again, to me, Star Wars was this thing that showed up on Christmas on TNT networks or whatever. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, there's more than Return of the Jedi. Yeah. So it felt the same way. I'm just like, it all felt like it belonged because it said Star Wars on the cover. So I never would question. I was still young enough not to question what should Star Wars feel like. Yeah. Right? So, um, 
from the opening shot where that Republic cruiser. And I remember just going like, Oh wow, a red ship. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the droids, like seeing the battle droids, which I had my little stat, you know, so I kind of already knew I liked their mm-hmm. design, but to see them moving around. And then the first time you see a droidica seemed like really cool. And just the thing I really remember was thinking like, this felt like, sounds stupid, a prequel. It felt like, yeah, this world is going to erode down to the Star Wars I grew, grew up yeah. on. That, you know, all this shiny chrome and smooth yeah. curved lines and that Naboo starfighter is going to eventually get beat up, chipped paint, and turn into an X-Wing. Yeah. Like, and I remember being old enough to feel the aesthetics of that and feel that that was very well designed. Yeah. So, yeah, it was rad. I saw it once in the theater and then I didn't see it again until that Christmas when I got a VHS copy of it, which had the Naboo Starfighter like insert and remember yeah. going like, man, that ship's cool. Whoever draws this, I like what he does. <laughs> uh, you know, I think I only saw it once in theaters as well. Mm-hmm. And absolutely getting the VHS come Christmas time. The last Star Wars movie I would ever get on VHS. Uh, because yep. by the time we get to episode two, I have a PlayStation 2, and I'm capable of playing. I got those DVDs. Yeah, I yeah. can play those DVDs. Uh, so, episode two. Yep. For me, this was back in my local theater. Wasn't in Florida this next time. Mm-hmm. And one thing that stands out in my mind for episode two, actually two things. One, it was the first time I was able to go to the movie by myself, or at least for a Star Wars so my parents let me go with two of my friends. Yep. Uh, and with with uh, episode two, uh, it was the first time I ever saw a Star Wars movie twice in one day. Mm. So basically went to, uh, it was probably, boy, I don't remember if we took off the Friday it came out. It was probably more likely I had seen it once. Uh-huh. Right? So I saw it and I went, and then I went back with my friends and we saw it again. Okay. So like that, it was one of those situations, but it was, uh, it was awesome. It was great. Episode two to me was uh, a really fun time. I loved it just as much as much as I loved the Phantom Menace. I loved it just as much as I loved those other movies. Mm-hmm. And it was just, hey, this is great. This is another Star Wars. You know, there was. I've never left a Star Wars theater feeling disappointed or let down or anything like that. I've never mm-hmm. left a Star Wars film feeling like, oh, I didn't like that, you know? Yeah. Um, I remember specifically uh, a couple of the more recent ones, which we'll talk about later. The you second know, half th- of there, are, there are some different feelings, but, uh, well, we'll talk about that when we get to it. But, yeah, with episode two, yeah, I, I was very much still all in. And um, episode two is weird. Um, episode two, um, I had fallen out of Star Wars. Between 99 and 2002, I had basically just kind of like, not giving up on Star Wars, but like I hit my later, you know, my getting to my later teens. And I was just like, you know, you know, already starting to think about college because like um, I graduated in like 2002. So like Star Wars Episode 2, like I could drive and all that kind of stuff. And it really was just one of those things of like I just lost touch with Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I had known so much about the classic trilogy. It had been such a big part of my my childhood that as I was becoming, you know, slowly crawling towards adulthood like many people more adult thoughts were starting to come into my head about things that i wanted to do like oh what was gonna do for college and uh what is with these girl things these are interesting um you know i was doing a lot of other things and star wars was never something that left but like i put on the back burner like i didn't know anything about star wars episode one other than what i saw 
in yeah. the, the run-up. Like, I wasn't digging into the essential guides anymore. I wasn't doing any of that stuff. Um, so I remember specifically a friend of I, mine, we would do what you normally do when you're a wastrel of a teenager. We met up at his house and said, I'm bored, let's do something, as we often did. And he said, Classic, hey, yeah. you know, I think that new Star Wars is out. And I remember very vividly going like, is it? Because I didn't know. I like, I knew there was a new Star Wars coming out that calendar year, but I had literally like just sort of not cared. I just wasn't paying attention to it at all, yeah. which is like the opposite of 99. Yeah. Um, And he's like, yeah, I heard like Yoda does this cool like flips and stuff. I'm like, what? And then I remember just sort of like out of boredom. We're like, eh, why not? I later found out like looking at the dates, like it was the Saturday it had released. Um, so I saw it opening weekend without trying. Yeah. Uh, and my friend and I, we just went over to this one theater that had just been newly renovated. That was down in another part of town. And we're like, yeah, we'll go check out the theater and like almost more checking out the new theater than what we were going to watch. Yeah. And I remember coming back out of that going like, man, I freaking love Star Wars. I forgot how much I love Star Wars. Oh, that's awesome. That Jango Fett, he did all the things that I remember reading the technical guides that Boba Fett's armor could do. And I think the planet Coruscant might be my favorite character. And like, it just, it was a spark that eventually caught up with another experience with a friend who was basically like, I found a friend who was as nerdy about the prequel trilogy as I was about the classic trilogy. And we started comparing <laughs> notes and it went from like, no, no star Wars is really important to me. And, and by the time we got to revenge of the Sith, I was all the way back into star Wars. So there's only like a five year period where I was like lukewarm or, okay. or not in the fandom, just a fan yeah. of Star Wars. Well, that's really interesting because for me, it was sort of the inverse. So mm -hmm. episode two, still buying toys, still really into it. You know, 11-year-old Ross. Yeah. Uh, episode three, I'm now in eighth grade. I'm 14. Uh, I'm at a brand new school. Uh, mm. I, I switched from a, a private school to a public school uh, in eighth grade. And so with okay. all, you know, I went from a class of 20 to a class of like 500. Dang. And so it was a very uh, different experience. So I didn't know, like, was Star Wars cool? Like, could I talk about well, Star Wars with these kids? Like, you know, I'm trying yeah. just to, like, make friends, like, just to sure. learn people's names. And, like, can I bring up this Star Wars movie? Like, this has been, like, almost a year now. Like, I've been at this school. Like, is it okay? Like, hey, Star Wars is coming out this May. Like, can we talk about it? Sure. And so I remember being very specifically, like, sitting in English class about a week after I had seen the movie. And being like, I want to talk about this with someone. And like, for me, I, I was still all in. Like, I went opening day, like, yeah. you know, to see episode three and um, was super excited for the movie. But I didn't really buy any toys. I wasn't really buying any other merchandise. Uh, I mm -hmm. wasn't. Um, for me, it was a little different because the movie was kind of the finale of the episode three stuff. Yeah. I read the novelization. Oh, okay. Before the movie came out. So I had kind of spoiled it for myself. Okay. So I don't know if you remember, but the episode three novelization came out and there was that. There was the prequel novel, novel Labyrinth of Evil. Yep. And the sequel novel, Dark Lord of the Sith. Yep. Which was like the Vader story. Yep. And those three books together are maybe the most fun I ever had in that time period with Star Wars. Gotcha. Like, I just love them all so much. The Revenge of the Sith novelization so, is, like, still the best Star Wars so book. So, as you've mentioned many times, to you, yeah. the book is better. 
in this case, 100%. Um, I, I mean, you know I love Star Wars novels, and but just that time period, those tie-in novels being so... I mean, Labyrinth of Evil ends at the mm-hmm. beginning of episode three, Yep. right? Dark, uh, Darth Vader, Dark Lord of the Sith begins at the end of episode three. Yep. Like, they literally bookend the movie. Yeah, I've and read Dark Lord of the Sith. It's, it's yeah. great. Like, I truly, truly love those stories. Uh, and so for me... The movie was like, oh, I remember reading about this in the book. And it was very much that moment of like, this movie's great, but boy, I really like the book. (laughs) And that was sort of, even though there were still moments where I made friends around Star Wars and I was still watching Star Wars at home. I remember, you know, going to Target the day episode three came out on DVD and, and, you Mm -hmm. know, picking up the DVD. I had learned this time I made sure I wanted to get the widescreen, not the full screen like I had before. Yeah. And uh, it, it was... Still a really big part of uh, my love for, and uh, for Star Wars. Still a good time for it, but definitely then started to wane a little bit as I got into some of those later teenage years. Yeah, and it was about oh boy, maybe two thousand nine or so, two thousand ten. Yeah. So there was maybe a three or four year gap where I wasn't really keeping up with Star Wars. Like I didn't go see yep. the Clone Wars in the theaters. Uh, I wasn't watching the Clone Wars. Uh, and then it was in college I started buying the the Clone Wars Blu-rays and, and I think, started getting back into it. And I don't think I think a lot of people out there are had had or will have similar experiences. I think there's always that transitioning period where like when you get to like high school, you're starting to like redefine yourself. And it's yeah. especially you switching to school. That's yeah. like doubling down on that. Yeah. Um, we're just kind of like, okay, are, what, what are the things that were cool when I was a kid? What are the things that are going to define me as an adult? Like you're reassessing everything. And so like, for me, it was kind of like, yeah, through high school and like my, f- well, I, I started college late. I basically took a year off before I started college. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I would have been like a sophomore in college when episode three came out. Um, And by that point, I had kind of evaluated, nope, nope, like Star Wars. Star Wars is important to me. And especially, you know, I'm in art school doing film and graphic design classes and stuff. And fundamentally realizing as I'm defining my own art style, like, oh, Star Wars was really, really formative to me. It's really important to me. A lot of the things I see and a lot of things I draw and a lot of aesthetics that I have were cooked in the Star Wars, like, motifs because I realized, like, all the art books I had as a kid were mostly Star Wars art books and so on and so forth. So when episode three came out, a bunch of my friends, uh, one guy, um, he had uh, essentially just inherited a house. So he's, like, the first one of us that had, like, space. And so we got a projector screen and a projector, like like a you know a um, like a TV projector, not a um, you know one they use in a conference room. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we did is we marathoned the whole whole thing at his house. We watched uh, episode one, episode two, the Jenny Tartakovsky um, DVDs of the Clone Wars, not Clone Wars, the Clone Wars, or is it, this might be the reverse of that, but the ones that came out around that time in 2005. Yeah. So we watched that 12 or 16 part series. Then we left his house, drove to the theater, watched three, came back and watched four, five and six uh, on that projector. Um, and I remember that being really rad. Cause at the time, I don't know if I feel as much as I do now, but in the afterglow, <laughs> I was like, Oh, it all lines up. It's so perfect. 
<laughs> like that line he says, it's almost like they knew they wrote three before that. Again, not maybe appreciating the fact of, oh, well, of course they wrote to that line because that already existed. So when they wrote three, they pointed it that direction. Yeah. Like just like the little moment of Tarkin, like walking off the screen in episode three felt like such a great dovetail to when you first see him mm-hmm. in um, six. And when you're now starting to get the realization of what 19 years of history feels like, how much has changed the end of the Republic, all the struggles of like Bail Organa in three feel a lot more weighty when they say the Senate's been dissolved. Like it was great. Um, and then we'll, we'll just skip ahead to the last Lucas yeah. release since you didn't see it. Yeah. Um, 2008, when they released the premiere of the Clone Wars animated show in theaters. Yeah. By this point, I'm a, uh, a, a, you know, I'm basically, yeah, I guess I would have just, was that 2008? Was 2008? 2008, yeah. 2008. 2008. Okay, so I would have been just coming back from... I have to look at it. I think I was just coming back from California. Sorry, California is like 2007, but it's actually not 2007. It's like a year somewhere mm. straddled in there. So I'm trying to think if I was back home by May. I must have been because I, I remember I was went back to the theater I worked in in college. And there's still some people I knew there who let me get in for free. Um, <laughs> and so I remember watching Star Wars like on the big screen because I ended up actually getting that part time job again because apparently an out of work filmmaker, you need to make money somewhere. <laughs> um, and we um, I remember watching it and I remember thinking like, this is really cool animation. And I'm with my best friend who's an animation major. And so we're like watching it and we're kind of going like huh, the animation is really clever. All the textures, you can tell they're hand-drawn. That's a really interesting look. And they went for a really abstract kind of thing. Like, I mean, um, you know, all the characters have this kind of, like, cut and chiseled out of, like, stone look. It's kind of wild. Is it good? I'm not sure if it's good, but it's definitely different. (laughs) Um, And, uh, oh, 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 Jeff the has offspring. That's kind of cool. That's the story? That's the story we're going with, huh? And uh, who's this? He has an apprentice. That's going to... Does she have to call him Sky Guy? I guess he's going to call her Snips now. Okay. And that first impression, I think, was just very much just reminding myself of Star Wars is for kids. And that's okay, Mac. It's okay. It's okay. It's totally not for you. That you should watch this when you get the DVDs of season one, but you probably don't need the cathedral experience for this. Um, But I do remember it being interesting because I remember it being like Christophus was a cool place. That's a place you hadn't seen yeah. in Star Wars. Um, But in general, it's definitely kind of... There's Mundi in that, right? Um, I don't... No, I don't know if he shows up there. Paul mm. Kuhn does because Paul Kuhn's kind of who hands off Ahsoka to Anakin so I think there's a moment with him. It's been a while since also because Dave it. Filoni lerves um, Plakun. Um, no, you know what? I don't think it has a lot of like. To be blunt, it doesn't have a lot of the models they hadn't built yet because they weren't required <laughs> for episodes yet. Because um, one of the things about the Clone Wars show was the fact that it was very efficiently made because it's an independent animation company. 
they they don't have unlimited resources like Disney does. Yeah. Um, so despite Lucas having a lot of money, I mean, he built an animation company from scratch. And so you can see as Clone Wars went on, it got more sophisticated because they had more props and they had more characters and they had more things they could tweak, bend, twist, turn, turn, recolor to build more complex and elaborate places because mm -hmm. the modeling is usually the most expensive part. Once you model and rig something, you have it forever. Mm -hmm. Um so you could see that. And again, it's kind of funny. It's kind of funny that the Lucas era in my mind ends with me sitting down with a friend on a Wednesday afternoon when a guy let me pass the velvet rope for free, um, eating out of a courtesy bag of popcorn, um, just going like, so this is Star Wars, huh? This is this is this is exciting because we're going to have Star Wars every week. But. You know, is Star Wars. Am I done with Star Wars? Yeah. Is Star Wars going to be something... Not for you anymore. Correct. Is this going to be just this... If this is what the show is only going to be, it's probably not yeah. all ages enough yeah. for me to get much out of it. And uh, that's <sighs> scary. Sort of where, that's, I mean, that's... Yeah. And that's sort of where things ended. I started getting into Clone Wars. Clone Wars got better as it went. And... Yeah. Um, I mean, even like the first Yoda episode has some teeth to it as far as like morals and stakes. Um but I watched it because I was super into Star Wars. And yeah. In some weird way, this is when I found Star Wars podcasting. And I started ha having basically that communal effect of like all of us watching Clone Wars every week and yakking about it and mm -hmm. all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. And and it was um, it was a good, warm, comfort blanket. But I don't know if I was excited about Star Wars as much as maybe I would be, say, seven years later. Well... It's interesting because eight years, so you have 2008, yep. right? And then 2015. So yep. that's seven years, you know, seven full years from the time you have one Star Wars movie to another. Yeah. But in those seven years, a lot changes. Oh, yeah. A lot changes for us as fans. Yep. And obviously, uh, Star Wars changes hands. So let's come back and talk about that next. October 30th, 2012. Things change a little bit in the world of Star Wars. Always in future, the motion. <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, that was up. perfect. Leave that one. Yeah. No. Always, Always in, in motion, motion the, the future, future is. is. I love it. Uh, so, George Lucas, owner of Lucasfilm, creator of Star Wars, uh, sells his property to Disney for the mm -hmm. sweet tune of $4 billion. You know. Nice money if you can make it. Nice round number. Uh, so... Basically, we usher in here in 2012 a new era of Star Wars. Now, it would be three years, you know, just over three years before Disney releases its first film. But right away, they come in and they start making some changes to the fandom. Yep. Before we start to go into all of the things that have come out since 2012, let's talk about what's happened between, like, 2005, the last Star Wars film, Mm -hmm. And when we get this Disney announcement. Now, my love of Star Wars has 100% been rekindled. 
I have, you know, the Blu-ray box set now. I'm watching them regularly again. Um, I'm collecting again, you know, the six-inch Black Series line. Uh, when that line first came out, it really mm-hmm. drew my attention, just kind of walking through the Target aisle one day and like, wow, this Darth Maul figure looks really, really good. And what what is this, a Pilot Luke? Wow. These are these are awesome. And these are only like 20 bucks. I'm an adult now. Like, I have money. Like, I, I mean, I was still in college at the time, but like, I was one of those people who just worked like from the time I was 16 on. I've just always had a job. Yeah. And so there's this sweet part of your life where like you're responsible for some things, but not really. So you, well, you can make money and you're learning of... responsibility, but you're not actually really responsible for anything. Yeah, you're like, well, okay, I need to buy gas to get to work and I need to have money to eat because I'm in college and that's what you do. Uh, and the rest and, is Star Wars figures. Yeah. And so like, it would be great. Like I go, go to the Toys R Us and be like, I'll just get these two. Well, like, oh, a new wave's out. Let me get this Greedo. This Greedo looks awesome. Yeah, maybe while I'm in college, I start paying off my student debts. Nah. Nah, nah. That's not real money. <laughs> uh, and so then you get to a point where like, oh my gosh, they're, Star Wars is going to happen. Like, I thought we were done. Like, I thought Revenge of the Sith was it. Because for me at this point, oh, yeah. I still wasn't. I had bought some Clone Wars. Uh, I'd bought the first two seasons, but tried to watch them and just frankly couldn't get into it. I'm like, oh, it's fine. The movies are for me. Like, this yeah. isn't for me. And I was incredibly excited. So I had kind of, you know, gone down the other side of the curve and now I was coming back up again where mm. for me, I was incredibly excited because we're going to get more movies. Like, oh my, is Mark Hamill going to be back? Like, is Harrison Ford going to be in this? Like, yeah, wow, I, I can't believe this is happening. And so, Mac, you and I are, uh, you know, sitting together yeah. in, our, in our break room. Uh, yep. In this point, we had, we had met and become friends about a year before this. Yep. And uh, we were learning of this together. Yes. So what happened to you between 2008 and 2012 with Star Wars? Anything um, special? So, uh, like I kind of said at the end of the uh, last break, I, I basically uh, put Star Wars into a nice cruise control where I knew Star Wars wasn't really being made for me, but I still really enjoyed it. And, you know, still watch, you know, around the Christmas, I would watch like the Star Wars movies and mm-hmm. I would watch them occasionally. And um, I was still poking around the periphery, but a lot of the tent poles of Star Wars were kind of getting away from me and not yeah. not like into not like in my earlier life where like I walked away from Star Wars. Just Star Wars was not being built to the things I paid attention to. So, like, by that point, the book series were completely an utter alien to me because yeah. that's when you were really into like the, the yuz and vong and all yeah. that weirdness. and that's when i was in some of my heaviest right and so period um, yeah. i never really got and, and one of the things that's just a weird thing about me is the entire time i've loved star wars post jedi is never been the territory i've explored that much and that was mostly because even at like 12 i was like oh that story is over the load-bearing boss that is the Emperor is dead, and the Empire falls after that, and there's this Thrawn guy. He's cool, but other than that, I don't really care. Yeah. Um, I think Crimson Empire, Dark Empire, the comic book series, and Thrawn was – and just the first book of Thrawn. I don't think I ever read the rest of the duology at the mm-hmm. time. Those are the only things I ever had my hands on as far as post-Jedi. Most of my interest at that point was like pre like stuff like getting like catching up on prequel stuff during this period, like learning about like who the Jedi council members are and what are their stories. And, um, so you're reading like those tie in novels, like 
dark rendezvous and approaching storm and Shatterpoint. Like is I that read Shatterpoint. I did read okay, Shatterpoint. Like all those Clone Wars. Um, science it things? was more. Uh, it was more starting to use the internet and the podcasts I was listening to educate myself mm-hmm. than actually firsthand experiencing mm-hmm, stuff. Mm-hmm. Because the other thing that happened is um, I really love Star Wars video games and Lucas Arts video games were at a huge part of me. And by 2008. Lucas Arts had basically hit the ground and was just skidding along. They canceled a whole bunch of their adventure game projects. They had just released a game called Fracture, which was one of their first original IPs in a while, and no one bought it, um, even though it had some neat tech in it. So things didn't look great for Star Wars video games. Um, and they were starting to like say that, oh, well, LucasArts is just going to license their stuff. Uh, and then eventually the good things like Force Unleashed and stuff, because yeah. that would have been 2009, I want to say, or so, is when that was starting to come together. 2010? I, think, I thought the Force Unleashed was 2008. Is it? Well, you know, Mac, the best thing about the internet is that we yeah, can fact check ourselves? Yeah. Um, and oh. the only reason I think that is because for me, new consoles... Yeah. Always come around the time of a Star Wars game. Oh, well, I mean, the Wii and PlayStation 3 would have come out in 2006, and the and um, Xbox was 2005. Yeah, September of 2008. September 2008. Was when The Force Unleashed came I out. remember waiting for The Force Unleashed. I played that demo a million ti- times, and I remember that we had a terrible power storm, and the GameStop near my house was closed all weekend. Oh no! So I had to wait like four days to play that game, which was like so odd. Um, but like I said, like, but we're talking about the period between like 2005 and 2008. Like, Star Wars video games weren't there for me. So yeah. Revenge of the Sith was sort of like the finale, yeah. and I was like, okay, Star Wars is done, like in a meaningful way. So yeah. when Clone Wars came out and I saw that in 2008, I'm like, oh, and Star Wars is now for a new generation. It's not really for me anymore, mm-hmm. and that's okay. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be one of those angry people like. Like I knew, you know, the adults I knew in 99. I'm not going to be one of those. I'm going to understand that it's not for me. Yeah. But I was listening to podcasts and um, I was following every week Clone Wars. I was watching it every single week. They were in season four, I guess, at that point. And we were about to start season five. It probably would have started around. It would have already started or was starting around that October. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I remember seeing me through the break room and I, and I remember going like, oh, God. <laughs> because from my perspective, I was very distrustful of Disney at that time. Yeah. Um, Disney had just had a, some cool video games come out and like, I guess that was 2007. Like there was a great game called split second yeah. and they were um, building some neat stuff and they just up and decided we don't understand video games. So we're canceling all of our projects. We're throwing everything away and we're getting rid of everything. So I'm like, Oh, so Disney just disposes of stuff. That's stupid. And they had, I was already still dealing with the fact they had just bought Marvel in whatever that was, 2006 or seven. Um, They had just bought Marvel. And so it was like, now they own Star Wars. I'm like, great. When they buy Nintendo and Lego, they will literally own my childhood. And I'm not sure I'm comfortable with that. Um, And the biggest thing was when they announced the purchase, they said, and we are going to pursue episode seven. Like we knew that that day that episode seven was a thing that was starting to be thought about. And I was really, really big on that Lucas wasn't a liar and that there was no episode seven. 
that by the time the prequels had been done, he had reframed the story as the tragedy of Anakin Skywalker and his redemption through his son. And that was it. Yeah. That was the, the tent pole that we were going to build all the expanded universe out from. Yeah. And that we didn't need anything more that. Yeah. We're going to do clone wars and, and maybe we we're still hopeful that somehow syndication budgets would explode somehow. And we would get live action star Wars because they were working on that star Wars underground show forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was excited about Star Wars existing, but I was also like, there shouldn't be an episode seven. Disney, in my mind, is already getting off on the wrong foot by saying, like, we bought it and we're going to use it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I definitely remember that. I and, definitely remember you having those opinions. And again, uh, I, w- I don't want to say that it was like wholly negative, but I was like, I'm totally disinterested in episode seven. Yeah. And. As the months rolled on and they're like, and Clone Wars. Yeah, we know they're ramping up for their season six. Uh, We're not going to have one. Yeah. And then the biggest thing that made everything sour note for Disney until proven otherwise was the, oh, and Mac, your entire life up to this, you've been invested in what? The extended universe. Yeah. Well, we're going to put that on a shelf right over here. And we're going to call it a legend because it doesn't happen. Our episode seven countermands everything that happened. So those two stories, they're still here, but they're legends. They don't really count anymore. And I'm like, just quietly single tear rolling down my eye. I was like, Star Wars is dead. First, Lucas took the Mandalorians from me. And now this. <laughs> um, so I, mean, I get the perspective. I just felt I felt that, that Disney, I really just felt that Disney, because they bought Marvel and to this day have not fixed Marvel comics. They've made fantastic films and TV shows and tie-in products, but no one has gone in and said, you know, comic books should be probably read by young people. And not just old people who want the same story recycled a hundred times and don't want edgelord stories where characters die. But of course, they're going to be retconned back to life. Like, I loved comics growing up. And I think Marvel Comics, the actual comic book company, is still, I want the mouse to go in there and fix it and wipe the slate clean. Where where I want every Marvel Comics story I read from the 80s through the 2000s to be legends. And they're on a shelf somewhere. And now there's a new canon where it can build a better universe, yeah. which is what they were doing in the MCU. So, like, I didn't feel that Disney was great brand managers. Yeah. And other things happened that made me even more sour on them because... 2010, one of my favorite movies was Tron Legacy, and they were working on a Tron sequel, and there was a Tron TV show coming out, and they were talking about making a remake of The Black Hole, which is a black sheep of the Disney family, but I love it. And they're like, we don't need to make any other sci-fi. We have the (laughs) sci-fi. And so they scrapped them all, like, unceremoniously. Yeah. And so everything was engineered for me to be apathetic towards Star Wars owned, owned by Disney. Sure. I don't want to say hateful because I wasn't. I was just mostly going like, you guys, I don't trust you at all. So go and do it. Of course, I'll watch the trailer for your unnecessary movie. But yeah, I get it. I mean, I get it. But then that Black Friday of I guess that was a year earlier, 2014, right? 2014 is when the first trailer came out. Thanksgiving 2014. Yeah. 
you, me, and a couple other guys at work are putting it on every screen in our store <laughs> and watching it over and over, over. and over. Over a stormtrooper without his helmet, and I'm like, oh my god, those stormtroopers! Those are such clean lines. What a beautiful design. <laughs> Showing the different things we were each looking for in a new Star. I- I'm not Wars. gonna lie. The thing that got me on board of like, okay, episode seven, I'll see you on opening day, was the stormtrooper design. The first order stormtrooper yeah. design was. I'm just like, oh, that's new, and I, I had this. Fe- it was the first time I felt like, oh. You are actually going to, maybe not as far as the prequels, but you're saying, yeah, this is Star Wars 30 years later. Things changed. Yeah. And so seeing like seeing a stormtrooper that was that cleanly designed felt like, oh, this is a new era of Star Wars. Yeah. You don't want to just have Star Wars on a treadmill forever just raking up the nostalgia money. You are willing to go and break things and move forward with this franchise in a way that nothing about your strategy because i mean most of the books were like tarkin and ahsoka and like we're we're, 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 all the announcements we're hearing from disney was very like the things you like we're making more of those yeah and until that trailer i don't feel i felt disney was going to go in a new direction and so the first time we see finn you know like hey this guy's got this sweet armor that looks very 2010s like mm-hmm. this is a very new design mm-hmm. that wouldn't have existed in previous series of Star Wars and then the guy who takes it off is not the color of people we're used to seeing in Star Wars other than Lando and then we see that the main character is uh, this girl and that she's on this planet that apparently has crashed star destroyers and like it was a bold vision of a new era of star wars and i was maybe not all in yet but i was like okay you have my money you were like i'm paying attention now yes exactly i get that i mean for me it was this exciting so a couple years earlier yeah yeah we had a movie called kingdom of the crystal skull yes we did and that movie to me was like oh my gosh this thing i love from my childhood this thing I grew up watching, yeah, there can be more of them. Like, they yes. weren't done. There can be more. And then to have the same thing happen just a few years later with Star Wars, mm-hmm. of like, oh my gosh. Like, I, at this point, I'm fully in on the extended universe. Yep. Like, I'm reading Star Wars books constantly, <laughs> right? Uh, to this day, I've probably read about 70%. Mm-hmm. of the eu so probably close to about 150 novels or so yeah and when they're coming out and they're saying we're canceling all this i'm like well yeah of course in with the old let's let's make it work like I'm as sorry, someone with the new, who had the invested old. a lot of time money and energy into learning the whole story i'm like yeah this is great give more people a chance to get in let's make a story that's cohesive no it makes absolutely no sense that this star killer guy is part of canon like Vader wouldn't have this apprentice who's way more powerful than any Jedi we've ever seen before. Like, well, like let's get rid of this stuff and so, let's start fresh. I loved that idea. I guess my biggest thing about it is at this point they had Lucas himself had retconned that the Mandalorian culture was very different under his leadership because they were all pacifists and the guys in the cool armor were a bunch of good old boys in the back hills, basically playing terrorist plaques to show how strong they were and be men. And like, it was horrible. And so they really just killed that. But that's how EU always worked was G level canon. If Lucas said it, it superseded everything. And so that was what I was used to, right? I was reading the Republic Commando novels, which are some of my favorite novels ever printed. And I love that game Republic Commando. And it was all about Mando culture. And 
before the last book in that series came out, George Lucas destroyed Mandalorian culture. So these stories no longer worked and they couldn't make sense anymore. And so that was what I was used to. So it was mostly just the Disney was out with the bathwater, like everything post Jedi. I know you're building a new trilogy. You have to get rid of that. But the idea was always unless G level, or in this case, D level Canon said differently, the old story still stood right. If it wasn't contradictory, then the old stuff would still fill in the blanks. So for me, it was things like Knights of the Republic, which has nothing to do with anything that Disney's touched. Those aren't canon stories. Those are legends as well. And I'm like, there's no reason for those to be legends other than they just threw everything away. Um, And I think it was the unceremonious thing that that made me sour on it. Um, But um, it's it's crazy because I'll be honest. We were friends. We had already like traded Pokemon and stuff like that when we both <laughs> at the same time decided to play through old Pokemon games together. We were already good friends. Yeah. But an entire year from Thanksgiving 2014 to December of yeah. 2015, after Mac, probably the Sour's now like, uh, actually, we're not going to make that May date. So Star Wars now comes out in December. And I'm like, Every other movie in this franchise has come out in May. It is the quintessential summer blockbuster next to Jaws. What the? But for spending an entire year where you and I were just going, hey, Ross. We've never been closer. This is the closest we've ever been. And we did that like as a daily meditation of just getting so ramped up on Star Wars that I'll be honest. I think any sour notes I had we're basically tabled under your enthusiasm because you were digging into spoilers and you, you were a lot deeper into following the news of it than I was. I was so ready. Yes. Like I was so ready for more star Wars. I, to me, this was ideal. Like here's a company that is essentially unlimited in what they can do. Yes. With their resources. Like, and that we can was get exciting. Everything. We can get more Star Wars books. We can get more Star Wars shows. We can get more Star Wars movies. Like, they'll make these seven, eight, and nine, and then we'll probably get other movies. Yep. What if we get, like, an Obi-Wan movie? Or a Boba Fett movie. Yeah. Like, there are all of these things and- that could come out. And to me, that was exciting because when George basically said at the end of episode three, I'm done making Star Wars movies. Yeah. To me, that was incredibly disappointing. Like, I don't, okay, I don't need you to make them. Let's get someone else because... I would oh, sure. love it if we could have more. And to me, that is what the Disney buyout representative, like, we're going to take this property and, and keep building we're going to make a lot from it. Like, we're going to make a lot of things for you. And they may not all be for you, but yeah. that's okay because we're going to make so much right. that you're bound to like some of it. And to me, honestly, I prefer that approach. Give me more and let me choose what I want to watch or partake in. Right. And as we rolled to towards the end of 2015, I was getting excited about the pot, that kind of possibilities of Disney because I'm like, Rebels is coming. So they didn't just close Lucasfilm Animation. They set yeah. them on a new project yeah. that was more in line with what they were trying yeah. to build. And I'm like, oh, well, that's a really cool story time is like the dark times, the, 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 the time period that historically has always been the least populated in the EU. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was exciting to see a tale of a ragtag cell building up to the rebellion, yeah. the rebel Alliance. And that was exciting. Um, everything about the force wagon looks like it was going to be amazing. Mm-hmm. And they also, there are 10 general things out there where they were talking about like, Hey, we may, we're, we're going to maybe, um, we might make other movies than the episodes. Yeah. 
we're going to call it the Star Wars anthology series, yeah. and we, we're going to make other movies. I'm like, yeah. maybe we'll get a Kenobi and a, and, a Obi- and a Boba Fett movie. That's be really cool. And then the real big flash in my head was maybe because there was the rumors that the first Star Wars anthology was going to be, you know, based on this script that had been passed around. That was originally part of the Star Wars underground TV show. That was this story of how the Death Star plans got to the rebels hands, which eventually became Rogue One. And I'm like, there could be a live action Star Wars show. That is suddenly I gave, we gave up on that dream in like 2007 when <laughs> Lucas just said, the money's just not there. Um, and there was this excitement of, Oh, there's a certain part of our community that really wants a live action, like down and dirty, you know, common man's view of the universe mm-hmm. story. Mm-hmm. I didn't know I had to wait till 2019 to see it, yeah. but I'm very happy I waited because well, it's amazing. Funny is but what you were waiting for was streaming. Yeah. Like, it's interesting. We it's really what the made Mandalorian the money on NBC. Or oh, yeah, because you would never. I mean, just look owns. at the Mandalorian. The Mandalorian is going to be in the end, what? Eight chapters? Yeah. Well, for the first season, yeah. Well, it's eight chapters. You, you could not sell a show in syndication yeah. or to a network that's only eight episodes long unless you live in Brit- Britain. Yeah. Like, that just doesn't happen yeah. here. So you're right. The economics all worked out. So it was very exciting that Disney started seeing what Disney could do with that money yeah. and go, that is pretty cool. So let's, <laughs> let's now that we're like 20 minutes into this conversation, uh, let's get into the focus, which is the premiere. So yes. let's talk about our experience in December of 2015 and what an experience it was we shared. So leading up to the film, Mac and I were talking about, okay, if they do a marathon, do we want to watch all of these films in theaters? Because we had thought it might be a thing because at this point the Avengers had come out and they had done a marathon. Yes. All the movies of Marvel leading up to Avengers. Little did I know they would keep doing that because <laughs> if any of you were out there that did the Endgame marathon, bless you. Because we're about to talk about our experience and I don't know if I could go much longer than what we did. No. Well, we we've, we'll prove that we're not going to because we're not doing the marathon this That's year. That's true. Uh, but basically, we bought tickets. Our local AMC theater was doing a marathon screening for $55. You got yep. a reserved seating in the nice comfy recliners Yep. Uh, for essentially a 24-hour marathon starting on December, 5th, or sorry, December 17th, 2015 at 1 a.m., Yep. A showing of episode one, The Phantom Menace. Did you work that day? I know I did. So we both worked on Wednesday. Yeah. And we left work, I don't know, maybe around seven or so. Yeah. Went home, tried to get like two hours of sleep. Yep. That sounds, yeah. And then yep. you, uh, myself, and our other friend, Derek. Derek. Yep. Uh, who I just decided, is like, oh, that sounds like a fun time. Yeah, like, I'll throw it with you guys. super into Star Wars. We were like, uh, I mean, sure, we're happy to have you. Know, you know, this but- is like. 11 to 13 hours right? like this is gonna be like a long day and he's like yeah i'm good sounds like fun and so we all he came <laughs> over um you know we all drove down in max car yep and uh we went to see some star wars really early in the morning so we arrived at the theater uh remember someone was in our seats yeah we like we have reserved seats we don't need to get there until like five minutes before showtime and it was some people that had the 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 standard seats that were like essentially in yeah. this theater there's a balcony that has And I want to make people underwear. It's not recliners like many of your theaters have now. These were even nicer. These were like overstuffed, like single seat couches. Yeah. 
Very um, much so. Because this was a very premium theater experience for, like, this is a theater that has a bar and a restaurant, like a restaurant restaurant, yeah. like, um, and all of that. So these were super comfortable, which we really decided was a better, good idea because we we're going to sit there, there for that long. And also, well, it was we a were bargain, all... $55 for seven movies. Oh, yeah. And we were also talking about the fact of like we were plotting which movie we're going to sleep through because we knew (laughs) there's like no way we could probably watch all of them completely awake. Um, Uh, Well, we definitely did. (laughs) We definitely did. Right. But we all ended up sleeping during different movies. So we get there. We watch The Phantom Menace. We're all we're all high up on energy. Oh, my God. The Phantom Menace on the big screen. It's been since 99. This is so cool. And it was because I hadn't seen the 3D. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You did. I did. You had seen. Oh, we forgot that in the Lucas era. There was a 3D of uh, Phantom Menace, which was really cool, and everyone was really excited when we got to episode two, where we would see a movie that was digitally made, which would make the 3D conversion process even better. Disney canceled that. Yeah. And the release of all the other ones. Yeah. Which would have been awesome. But I'll take a new trilogy over... 3D re-releases any day of the week. I think we could have both. They have uh, lots of money. Well, that's true. I would love to still see them one day, Disney. Please make it happen. But so we get through that. We get uh, a 3.30 start time for Attack of the Clones. Yep. And then we get to Revenge of the Sith starting at uh, 6.15 a.m. And I think this is where I dozed off a little bit. This is when gravity started setting in. Yeah. It we was... had uh, drank some stuff from the Coke Free Fall style machine specifically the kringle mix the kringle mix boy um and what we had, had some popcorn time. i th- think i may have ordered food at least once by by then like whatever yeah. no 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 i couldn't because that's right because they they closed the concession stand from like 3 a.m until like 8 a.m yeah that's right that's um, right so it they weren't open down. so we we still had the free style machine because it didn't require attendance so yeah. we were still filling up with that but I remember being still very strong because I remember looking over because you and Derek both nodded off at some point during three. I definitely don't remember Utapau. I yeah, I definitely slept during. And three. it's fine because when we got to the end of that film, there's a long intermission between the two trilogies. They gave us like an hour, and so Derek and I decided to run across the street to the Starbucks. Starbucks. And I said, I'm just going to stay in the seats. And what I did is I basically threw my legs onto your chair. Yeah. And caught a cat nap of like 45 minutes. Yeah, you were out of it for sure. Um, and then and you guys had a wonderful experience at Starbucks. We did. Cause guess get, what? Everybody else in that theater had the same idea. Yeah. So we went over to Starbucks and uh, I'm not a big coffee drinker. So like, you know, when I go, I'm like one of those idiots who's like, Hmm, so what do I want? Let's see. What would I like as everybody in the line behind you is like, I know exactly what I want. I've done this every day for the last year. Get like, out of my way. Yeah, exactly. So I'm like, hmm, which sandwich? And like, okay, and then I want this. Well, this is going to be like the only food food I'm going to eat today. So I should probably get two sandwiches. And like, <laughs> oh, it was bad. But luckily we had plenty of time. So we went over. We uh, Derek and I took our sandwiches, our coffee into the theater and sat at one of the tables outside. So we were mm-hmm. in a slightly different chair, a slightly different position for yeah. a little bit. And it was great because Derek and I got to know each other a little bit as well to them, which was a lot of fun because really yeah. we had just met him. Not oh, yeah, that yeah, long yeah. He was, so, yeah. you know, Star Wars bringing friends together. See, yeah. And then after about an hour, an hour break, we came back to the theater. We woke you up yep. for episode four and we got rolling. Yep. And uh, I remember watching through episode four and... I think that catnap powered me through episode four, and I think it was between four and five I went and got some food. So a 10.15 uh, start for episode four and a 12.45 start for episode five. So now we're into the afternoon. Yep. We'd been there over 12 hours already by the time episode five got rolling. 
And by this point, um, I was running on Kringle Mix and yeah. was very furious <laughs> about how like hard it was to get food and like yeah. how unsatisfying and expensive the food was yeah. it's not fun living out of a concession no stand. and like it's better today than it's ever been and it's still not fun yeah uh and then we got and as always i fell asleep during dagobah as i always tend to <laughs> it's like a, it's like a warm well, safety blanket i don't know what it is i remember being the most wide awake other than episode seven uh during episode five because it was my first chance to see it in a theater yeah um so I was like, oh, my gosh, the the asteroid belt has never been this big. The, you know, Dagobah has never been this vast. And I just remember really soaking that in because, as we mentioned the last thing, I've basically been denied that for my entire life. And that still was the only time I've ever seen it. Yeah. Um, and then we got to Return of the Jedi and Mac was just basically like, uh, yep, seen this one a lot. Yeah. And I zonked out for, I want to say, almost all of it. I think you I woke asleep. up. Yeah. I think I woke up to the celebration music and, yeah. and I think I fell asleep when it was, um, the droids at the door, like that entire scene. I was yeah. gone. You it's fine. Really? Out. I didn't miss a thing. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that movie entirely too many times. So that was a three fifteen start. So that wrapped up, uh, before six. Yeah. So we had over an hour. Yeah. To get, to basically prepare for episode seven. So at this point, like, we're all a little delusional. Yep. We're all a little high on caffeine. I'm sure all of our blood pressures were, like, a little too high. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, we had had a lot of sugar. We had had a lot of bad food. And we went down to the snack bars. We were like, I got to eat something. We like, have I to. I got to eat something that isn't popcorn or soda. And <laughs> do you remember they had those Cheeto crusted mozzarella yes! sticks oh god yes oh, those I were terrible those. Those were... but what i remember even more <laughs> so is like we had been in a theater so we were isolated all day yeah and now to come back out at like six o'clock an hour before the first showings were going where a bunch of normal people had arrived at the theater to watch films like yeah, normal so people it was like packed yep and luckily we hopped in like because the seven o'clock that we were seeing as part of the marathon I believe was the first showing from what I remember. Yeah, I think there was like three theaters that were doing the same at as like seven oh five, seven fifteen. Like I think by the minute we were the first. But right. basically there were a couple shows starting a, around seven. Uh, when I were to the theater, there's a flight of movies launching at the same time. Yes. In that early seven hour. Yes. So we luckily hopped down to the concession stand, ordered our whatever, our chicken tenders and our Cheeto crusted mozzarella. I think that's when I had my second pizza. Because yeah. I, 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 I had eaten a little bit earlier, and I was like, oh, I don't really want to. You know what? I'm not going to get another chance, and I have not eaten anything other than that today. Yes. Uh, I need something to soak up the Kringle mix. So, yes. And then you remember, it took almost an hour to get it. So they were so overworked, and there were so many customers. Yeah, and it wasn't really the employee's fault. No, they, they just... just they could not beat the traffic. The like one little convection oven that they have to make that <laughs> stuff in yeah. could not hold up with the demand. That that's yeah. all it was. And so we got our food at like six forty five and went into the theater ready and on time because we were like the first people out of the theater to go order. Right. But anyone who ordered, I think after like six thirty, they either had to leave their food or miss the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Um, and it was really unfortunate, but and, I mean that's what happens. I mean, that's just showing I've never seen a theater that busy again since. I agree. It really was something. And then we sat back and we watched the premiere. And at this point, um, I had taken a picture of like every opening crawl, like for social media kind of stuff. Yeah. And I remember 
just when the words the force awakening came up just going like i haven't had this energy since 99 <laughs> of just the idea of like star wars is new again this is insane um and then that movie the movie happened and it was great i mean we amazing. left we were uh lightheaded but very much all in we, we were uh, essentially high sleep drunk yeah. at that point it was great I mean, we we, were we felt super amazing because it. it was we just loved it. it was a ton we were of very fun. awake at that point. Yes, <laughs> very. We talked about it the whole way home, and we were like, "Okay, so I'll see you tomorrow for the next showing, huh?" Yes. And so Mac and I went to bed maybe you know by midnight, and then I think we were back at like a nine a.m. showing the next morning. <laughs> it was really something early. ridiculous. Um, still very crowded. Uh, I think we bought tickets kind of last minute for that one. We didn't really plan well because we because I think it was when we were driving home we were just like. I got to see it again because there's a lot of stuff like like one of the things that ended up being a sticking point for us was like the was that the center of the republic they blew up is that what like I like it wasn't yeah. what I am now whereas I'm like that needed more clarification from a film standpoint yeah. it was more of the like I probably just missed something we need to see it again what yeah. is what is Poe Dameron saying to Kylo Ren at the very beginning he's like I can't hear you through the I couldn't catch that word did you catch that <laughs> word and so we decided we gotta see it again yeah. when's the soonest we can see it again yeah because uh, we had taken the day off because we knew we were gonna be out of our minds tired Very and much so, so rather than resting we went and saw Star Wars again of course right the right thing to do and we absorbed so much more on that second trip. Yeah. And bet- uh, between there and like February of 2016, I saw it seven times in the theater. I saw it seven times too. That seems like a nice the appropriate round number, number, right? Yeah, that seemed like the appropriate way to do um, it. Because I saw it with my family. Um, we had seen, we had both seen, caught it as standard, as 3D. Yeah, uh, D-Box. We went to D-Box. Yeah, that was fun. Um, so we kind of like, Got it as much of an experience out of that premiere as we possibly could. It was great. It was, I don't know if anything will ever top it for me. It it would be hard until a, a proverbial episode 10 starts the sequel, sequel trilogy. Yeah. Like, I, I think this is, I think that's about as high. Cause yeah. again, it was an after image of not of two thousand or of 1999. Cause episode one was still bigger. Yeah. But obviously it affected me differently because I was an adult and was more cognitive of everything that was going on. Yeah. Um, so it was rad. Well, but what's interesting is episode one may have felt bigger to us because we were children. But I mean, episode seven made more money, even adjusted for inflation. But not every pizza box, Pepsi can't. The world was it. not nearly as turning on the axis of Star Wars. There weren't movies that were writing uh, copy that says, if you can only see one movie this summer, see star wars but if you can see another movie like yeah the mind share i don't yeah. think it will ever be as high as 99 ever again and, i just don't think fair. it can that's be fair. okay so we see the movie we're very happy and then a year later we have another star wars movie which First is time crazy. ever we didn't have to wait a minimum of three years yes for a film one yes. year later we find ourselves in a theater seeing rogue one and we're seeing all this beautiful um, art and photography coming out, and it looks like it's just coming out of Ralph McQuarrie's sketchbook, and it looked really, really solid. Mm-hmm. But you'd already started hearing rumors about like the the you know the director was like just shy of fired because they had to like go rework so much of it, yeah. and it was like being edited like to the last second. Yeah. Um, and the marketing campaign was kind of vague as a result of that, and so it was like. 
there was a few signs that this was a lot shakier of a production than episode seven was. But look at that. Look, it's like it's classic trilogy. This is going to be amazing. And we go in and we watch it. And I mean, we'll just be honest here, Mac. For you and I, we uh, I mean, I walked out enjoying it. Yeah. Feeling that it was a good movie. But definitely like, oh, I don't like this as much as any other Star Wars movie. Well, it was one of those things of like, uh, we often talk about like, um, you know, if you love Star Wars, then you might not. And you're one of the people that don't like episode one. You're like, I don't like episode one. I mean, it's my least favorite of my favorite movies of all time. So put that in context. Yes. It was kind of that 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 vibe, I think, for most people who were a little cool on it was like, oh, I really enjoyed my time with that movie. But. Is it as strong? Because the other thing is also things had creeped in by that point of people like really, really pounding the anvil of Force Awakens was just New Hope again. And you're like, no, it's it's it. It kind of I mean, yeah, but it was good. I mean, yeah, it is. But it was good. So shut up. Like we had kind of realized that seven was totally a kickstart to it was a reboot it was a soft reboot to get star wars back up on its legs and when we got to rogue one it's kind of like oh well this will be the new story this will be the new filmmaking style they're not going to even have the opening crawl i hear Mm -hmm. and like that'll be interesting and i think everyone took that as interesting except for mac mac did not take it that way yeah so mac saw the movie Max saw the movie and we were sitting in the front row we right were, before yeah. we got to the the disabled seats. So there's yeah. like this like very nice little like two rung uh, fencing in front of us that we kicked our legs up onto. Yeah. Which we picked those seats specifically for that. Um, and the second the last frame was done and they brought up the executive producer credit, I hopped over that fence and stormed out of the building um, because I was completely and totally emotionally wrecked. Um because from the second Cass and Andor shot that guy in the back on, I was like, what am I watching? This isn't Star This isn't Star Wars to me. That guy is not a white hat cowboy. He is a morally gray, corruptible, dark person. And I understand some people might want that, but I don't. Star Wars is like the last refuge of good and evil. Like, I don't need... I don't need gray outside of a Boba Fett, like the mercenary character. I, I don't understand. And then that movie, I had read the book catalyst and was super excited to see things like Jyn Erso's character evolve from where I know she, she's going to end up. She's mm-hmm. going to end up this ward of Saw Gerrera, this guy from the clone wars. Who's this, you know, a uh, freedom fighter. Who's got a very extreme view on things. And mm-hmm. I was so prepped for a movie that wasn't there. Yeah. And I was ready to see director Krennic, this complex three-dimensional character in the book who's reduced to a cardboard cutout in the movie. And all the characters fell flat for me. And I'm not going to keep going on because I really want to state, I do not believe that Rogue One is a bad movie. I think Rogue One really just fires on every cylinder that I didn't want it to. It was very anathema to what I enjoy about star Wars other than art. The art's great. Um, so when I left in a huff, it was literally, I needed to, and I drove around, like just drove back roads for like two hours trying to figure out my feelings because I had never hated anything in star Wars. Yeah. And I hated that movie. Yeah. 
And I didn't want to be one of those 99 guys. I'm like, am I being legitimate? Am I being reasonable? Do I hate it for real reasons? Or do I, am I just being old and saying, that's not my Star Wars? And I, I had to deal with that. Yeah. And by the next morning when I canceled on you, because I'm like, I am not going to, I cannot watch that movie again. Yeah. Um, by the time I got to like the end of that weekend, I was just like, it was not for me. Yeah. I cannot be objective about that film. So I'm going to stop trying to be. I hated that film and I don't like it and I never want to see it again. And as far as I'm concerned, it exists. And that is all the more I will acknowledge it. Yeah. And after years that has mellowed even more, I still have no interest in ever watching a frame of that film again. Um, but it literally is. It's a part of Star Wars. I remember the beats of the story surprisingly well for only watching it once. Um, and I'm excited to see if they rehabilitate that character of Cassander and can get him to a place where I can accept the opening scene of that movie in the TV show that they're developing. So I, I, I'm going to pull back from being negative, but like never have I had a cri- I've had easier times dealing with crisis of faith with my actual religion than this one. <laughs> I don't think I've ever had such a debilitating crisis of faith than after Rogue One. So yeah. it's always going to be a black mark on my books, but it's because I love that franchise so much that I have that emotional investment that it it needed to be dealt with. It yeah. needed I needed to figure it out. Yeah, I mean, I get it. It's it's because it takes a very different approach. Yeah. Right. So, like for me, I definitely didn't have the same reaction you did. Very few people I, did. I definitely <laughs> enjoyed it. But for me, I'm like, oh, this was fun, and this is a great one-off, and I'm going to be fine if we get dozens of movies like this, And I was, where it's just this one single story. And I will say, I was still hopeful about the fact that they were going to do stories like this that didn't involve Jedi and were off the beaten path, because again, mm-hmm. my golden thing was I wanted Star Wars Underground. I wanted bounty hunters and smugglers and no lightsabers and no the Force and just playing around in the backwaters of the yeah. universe. And Rogue One gave me little tangs of that. Um, And again, by the end of that weekend, I didn't, I hated what Rogue One did to me, but I didn't hate it as a movie. But I also was every single scrap of goodwill, every single getting over myself and what Disney had done. I was right back to yeah. October 2012 with a, with a vengeance. Of you going, almost didn't want to go to celebration the next year. Oh, I, no, I really didn't because I was just like, I don't like the Star Wars they're selling me anymore and I don't want to buy it from them anymore. It doesn't ruin a single note of everything I've had to Star Wars up to now, but I am done buying what Disney's selling. Yeah. Um, especially because... Episode eight was a different director and a different writing team. And Ryan Johnson at that point had made like a movie. And I'm like, Brick tells me nothing about what you're going to do with Star Wars. And Gareth Edward was a hotshot director they hired because he was a hotshot director. He just made Chronicle and that's why they hired him. And I go, and he, in my opinion, doesn't get, he was hired to do a different visual language than Star Wars had been done before. But I go, and it proved it shouldn't be that these are Flash Gordon serial serials, and they're nothing more than that. They don't have the flexibility to be more than that. And so I was just like, episode eight can go burn in hell. Uh, I, I may not even go see it. I don't want to go to celebration. Uh, 
Star Wars and I need to be separated for a time yeah. so that we can find out if we still want to be in a relationship. <laughs> Whew, okay. Now so that, that, that was what Max so thought now about that Rogue Blad, One. Bad blood's out. Uh, and when I left Rogue One, <laughs> um, I felt better <laughs> than that. Um, really? Yeah. Uh, I, I thought it was a fun movie. I thought it was a great one-off. I thought it was a great story. Yeah. But to me, it felt like a dip into Legends of like, here's a really fun story yeah. where you can poke holes through the character because they're so underdeveloped. Right. Uh, in my mind, looking at looking at it, uh, it is just what makes it feel different yeah. than every other Star Wars film is you give me no reason to care about any of those characters. One minute Cassian's this guy shooting his friends, people he's associates with in the back. The next minute, this girl, what, bats her eyes at him. And she's like, no, I believe you about your father. I won't kill your guy. Yeah. Your dad, even who's though the architect I, of this weapon, I just saw murder an entire town. Yeah. Like, it's just it, like you don't I, have enough time there to get to know them. And, and to make sure that we yeah. stay on our optimism track. Objectively, I think all the flaws I see in Rogue One are there. But I think it's mostly, I think Gareth Edwards had a vision of a documentarian style, like thin red line version of Star Wars. And when he produced that, I think the that Kathleen Kennedy and the Lucasfilm team was like, no, no, this is too different for Star Wars. We, we're not yeah, ready for no this. There's no point in speculating well, I'm just saying, on what. Well, they went into the editing room and remade the movie from even the marketing material is different than the film. That rarely yeah. happens. That is proof of a troubled development where obviously the beats of the story were rearranged. We know that from the filmmaking. I'm, I'm not trying to get into the motives. I won't go into that speculation. Yeah. But that movie probably got doctored into what it was. With the raw material they had, the reshoots they could do, and the editing and special effects they could rearrange is why I think Rogue One feels as, to you and me, where the characters suffered. Because I think they just had to tweak, turn, mess with things. And what suffered was the character arcs mm -hmm. so that the narrative could still function. Mm -hmm. And so I look at it now and I go, anything I had a problem with, anything that's objectively wrong with Rogue One is just literally the hardships of working with a committee of creative people who are trying to make the best thing that, that possible and, and may have misalignments on what they were trying to build from the word go. Well, okay. So, I mean, <laughs> how about let's move on to the next one? Because now, uh, now that we've just given our opinions, it'll be, I'm sure, extremely controversial. Let's go talk about the other controversial bit of Star Wars. Which, for the record, the argument I just gave is the reason I think most people with last Jedi don't like it is it's a group of people that when they started with the first page of the script, they weren't aligned on what they wanted to make. Last Jedi is exactly what Ryan Johnson wanted to make. I don't know if that's what all star Wars fans wanted. I liked it, but I don't know if that's what all star Wars fan. And it's definitely not. Doesn't seem that JJ Abrams and the team knew exactly what they wanted their second and third movies to be. Otherwise, Ryan Johnson would have written it the way he did. Yes. So we're at celebration. I'm looking over Chris's shoulders at his phone as you, me and him watch the trailer for the last Jedi for the first time and go, was that like red sand? What is that speeder? What's that? What's that? What's that? And we were basically just rewind back to 2015 where Max saw a trailer and he said, I don't want to see it. I mean, I guess I'll see it. <laughs> <laughs> and you did. Oh, yeah. And we did. So opening night, we were there, the Thursday night showing. Uh, this was the one where 
I really was um, freaking out because, like, remember, I had bought like 15, <laughs> bought 15 tickets, tickets for people. Like, I was responsible for, like, making sure everybody got in, everybody got their seats, everybody was in the lobby so I could give them their tickets, right? Remember, we were going to dinner beforehand, but yeah. you guys went to get the table. Well, I went to get our tickets printed, so I was sure we'd have, have them. them. And, like, we had reserved seats, but, like, we should still be there an hour early just to be safe. You were you very know? stressed out about it. I was definitely acting a little manic. And That's because you were all in. I was all in. And we got there. And we watched the movie, and we had a nice, huge group of people. We yeah. had like, you know, a like almost all that, like, yeah, almost that whole yeah. back row of that theater, uh, and it was awesome. And I remember the the lights coming on after the Last Jedi, and I was sitting there, and, and I think I turned to you, and you knew you were sitting to my left, and I said, "Okay, was that the best Star Wars movie I've ever seen, or the worst?" That was my <laughs> like, initial right. reaction. That was literally right. what I came to, and. What I'm realizing now, two years later, is looking back on it is obviously I went in the direction where like, oh, that was incredible. That that was something like special. Like that was Empire again. Like here's this movie that did things I never expected and that was beautiful and that was emotionally powerful. It wasn't just these mini action beats with story holding it together. It was built around the story and the action was emotional to the story. Right. right, like what makes the best bit lightsaber fight between Luke and Vader awesome is not the movements Vader's doing with his lightsaber. It's they help, but the power of the speech that he's giving to Luke of him trying to obviously not take Luke out, but just hold him back so they can have an interaction that isn't just swinging their sabers. Yeah, and that is kind of the same feeling that Episode Eight gave us, and it gave me things that I didn't know I wanted in Star Wars. It showed me that. Star Wars can be more than, like we said, a reboot of the of you know a New Hope with the Force Awakens. It can be this this thing that grows and becomes bigger well, and becomes more powerful. And I think that's where we we ended up. Yeah, from slightly different places, but we ended up the same same spot. Of for us, Last Jedi was refreshing. Yeah, it made the galaxy feel bigger. Yeah, it wasn't reductive. And I know, speaking of my own self. My opinion of last uh, of the Force Awakens has diminished the longer I've been with the Last Jedi because I I get more into that camp of it's a remake of New Hope. Now I don't have a problem with that because like Return of the Jedi steals beats from New Hope because it's like hey we have a super weapon it's the same one we had last time like that should feel clunky but I go no that's just repetitive storytelling it's myth it's the same motifs play out over and over again yeah um and so I don't dislike force awakens by any measure but force awakens seems so timid and so protectionist of of star wars that all that stuff in 2015 i thought was big and bold and new felt like oh that was some nice window dressing last jedi however is erasing chalkboards and building completely new things Mm -hmm, out of it mm -hmm. and i think that is where it's completely understandable where people fall on either side of this sword yeah because it took Star Wars in a big, bold, different direction. And from Force Awakens to the end of Last Jedi, everyone has whiplash. And you've either decided, ow, it hurt my neck, or what a roller coaster ride. Yeah. And we were in that what a roller coaster ride. Yeah. We were excited to see. I don't think I've ever been more excited of where does Star Wars go from here yes. than that because we took off all the, the safety rails. Yeah. 
whatever this movie you and I are going to see as of recording this Friday, you know, yeah. two days from now. Yeah. Well, a day and some change. Yeah. Um, that has to either backpedal from that or lean into that yeah. in a way that I think is unfair to the original director and now J.J. Abrams who helms it of like Ryan Johnson left you with a big open space that you got to figure out how you're going to fill it in. Yeah. Um, And you and I were both at the camp of by the end when we started reviewing it, we started talking to all our friends and we started like focusing on it. We came out going Star Wars is in a crazy new place and I don't know where it's going, but I like that it's going there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would agree. And where it was headed was to Solo, a Star Wars story. And this is where <laughs> irony comes in. Yeah. Um, because Mac, who does not like Rogue One and was like, I don't think there need to be any more Star Wars movies. After seeing eight was like, Star Wars, Star Wars can keep making movies. It'll be yeah. fine. And like Solo was like, oh, this is what people were feeling on the run up to Rogue One. Because I, I didn't. I played Dark Forces and other video games. I knew how the Death Star plans got there. The, the central theme of Rogue One wasn't that interesting. I was just interested in how they're going to play it out. Yeah. Solo, I'm like, you want to tell me the story of the Kessel Run? I'm in. That sounds great. That's a part of Star Wars. I'm fine with us drawing in, like, the blanks. And everyone around me was in the opposite camp. They're like, we don't need to know about the Kessel Run. I'm like, you don't want to know about the Kessel Run? Why don't you want to know about the Kessel Run? But you want to know about the Death Star plans? That's way less interesting to me. Yeah. Um, and we had the schism in the fan community by that point. Even among people we knew, we, you know, like my brother loathes, like, fire more than I hate Rogue One, hates Last Jedi. And he's yeah. he has pretty much turned in his Jedi robe and doesn't consider himself a Star Wars fan after it. So, like... Every holiday gathering, I heard about it <laughs> loudly, <laughs> yeah. and I always just took it as like, he's allowed to have that opinion. He's not invalid in what he's thinking of, but it almost always came back to the central point of, yeah, but Star Wars isn't just for you. Yeah. And I feel that that's still, at the end of the day, what Last Jedi or Rogue One or Solo or whatever, like people love Rogue One. I don't but it's not wrong that they like Rogue One. Yeah. It, Rogue One is a different remix of Star Wars' themes, motifs, and visuals that some people like, and I don't. Yeah. Star Wars isn't exclusively for me. Star Wars is for everyone, which means you're going to have stuff like Forces of Destiny, a little girl's show about women empowering in the Star Wars universe. That is not for a 30-something guy, but I'm glad it exists for the yeah. demographic it's serving. So... Yeah. When we got to Solo, you and I were all in. Yeah. Well, and that's because we we get into Solo and we watch the first couple minutes, right? And right away we're like, oh, this feels like Star Wars. Yes. Right? This feels like Han Solo. This is Han Solo clicking a rock, pretending it's a thermal detonator, <laughs> you know, just, just surviving by mouth. the skin of his teeth. Yes. Like that to me was fantastic because like oh we're right back into this like i care about this character like right away i'm like han can't have another love interest oh no kira's awesome kira's awesome right? no no like no i fall in love with her learn about her we learn about her and what we see is we have this moment like we get to meet them when they're a little bit younger 
Mm-hmm. And then we jump a couple years ahead and they've both gotten their toe into the water of the bigger universe. Yep. And they've changed. And to us, the interesting bit is, okay, we knew who these characters were a few years ago. They're devoted to each other. They're hardworking. They want to get out of here. Yeah. And then who are they now? And we spend the rest of the movie learning about who they are now. Yeah. And like all Rogue One needed was like that campfire scene. Well, it needed that thing to tie the characters together. And while Solo also had a troubled um, yeah. production, yeah. I think the one thing you really see that happened was I think the original, I think Solo, its first directors failed it primarily because they weren't making a film in the kind of documented and professional way that Lucasfilm needed to for the property that they were doing. I think it was a little more fly by night and they were running out of, they weren't having enough coverage, like literally filmmaking as a director, you were not performing your duties as a director and it's fine. Like that happens all the time, but it's too important of a property. Let that. So when they brought Ron Howard in to finish it, I think Ron Howard is a consummate professional. He's been in this industry his entire life and he's been a director for the better part of two decades at this point. He comes in and he basically just goes. And I think he, to the best of his ability, finished the thought. Yeah. He did what needed to be done to finish that film. So I think that's why it ended up feeling less pieced together than Rogue One did, because I think that that arc of those characters was there. It just needed to be actually filmed enough to make a movie out of it. Yeah. Well, we get to a point where we see our first showing of Solo. Now we're in May. We're not a December release anymore. Which I was for super happy one. it was in May. And we watch it. We go back our second day. And I think we both very much leave. Yeah, like, this was great. Because other than Rogue One, we have seen, we, we always watch Star Wars and then watch it again the next morning. Yes. So, uh, if, so we've done it now three times together. Yes. Uh, I've done it four times, but hey, that's okay. Well, here comes the uh, next one. So. Here comes the next one. That's true. Um, and Solo was great. And then we mm-hmm. got to the point of being a little dejected by the box office turnout of like, here's this movie we both thought was great. We didn't necessarily click with Rogue One. And that one did gangbusters. And we so, thought that Solo was going to do really well, because even with all the last Jedi hate, we're like, but this is the Rogue One crowd. You want to see Galactic Civil War? They're stormtroopers. Like, this is the yeah. Galactic Civil War. So I figured... Hey, this is Rogue One with, in my opinion, better narrative arcs. Yeah. So people will love it. But everyone was like reductiveness of like, oh, I didn't need to hear that story. And I don't like how Han Solo was. He was he was a young man finding himself and learning how to be. He's not the fully formed character I met in that cantina. I'm like, that's what a good prequel does. (laughs) And the thing about the thing. And that's why the Cassian show is interesting. But anyway, exactly. The thing that's interesting about. Han is Han starts out as kind of like this optimistic guy. Yeah. And the end of solo is the first time he is beaten down to become that character. We meet in Moss Eisley. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What's so interesting is that now we know that Han was always a good guy. Yeah. Right. Like that's what young Han shows us is that Han is a good guy. He always had a heart of gold and he buried it. He's a good guy throughout that movie. And at the end, we see him losing that a little bit. And it's Luke and Leia that pull him back to the good side and realize that he can stand for something, right? Just like he does. So when they're on Savarine, right, they're trying to get the Quaxium refined in Solo. Yeah. He's like, no, we need to help these people. Like, it's the right thing to do. 
Right. And then we meet him in episode four. He's not that guy anymore. And we realize the whole event with Beckett and Kira yeah. is what starts that downfall. Well, and and I, I love that. That right. is character development. And that is why a prequel exists. Whereas Rogue One is just like, hey, flashy lights. Here's this cool Vader scene that adds nothing well, to the story. Okay. You know, like. Oh man! Like I said, I can I can unslip my collar and get really negative on yeah. Rogue One, but I really don't because again, I'm hurt by Rogue One, but I don't want to pound that because it's yeah. not bad. It's I feel it just doesn't make sense <laughs> as a filmmaker. I feel it is a lesser film by the qualities that it was created in, but I also yeah. feel that those qualities were unavoidable. I don't think it was a conscious choice yeah. that made that film flawed, in my opinion. Um, and Solo, like you said, I, I love yeah. Solo. I think it richens and deepens the character. I love the establishment of Lando and Han's character, like how they interact yeah. and how he gets the Millennium Falcon, the, how the Millennium Falcon becomes the hunk of junk that it is and how it gets a messy computer. Like, I find that all interesting and I find that more than just tipping at the caps. I feel that narrative building. And the primary thing is Tobias Beckett creates the template that we can think of him shooting Tobias Beckett in the chest when he leaves Yavin is like a parsec away from the Death Star and goes, I got to go back. Yeah. Because he knows where that, the path he's on, where that leads. And Luke and Leia have reminded him of higher values, more important things yeah. that there's more than just a money and a getting out of a price in your head. Cause when he pays off job, what is he going to do? Screw something up and get into debt again and end up like Beckett where no matter how many times you succeed, yeah. you're never going to escape. You're in it for life. Absolutely. So, so anyway, we love solo. We come out of, solo. <laughs> yeah, we, boy, we, when you have a really off the cuff episode, you go off on tangents. We do. Expecting. We do. Uh, so we get out of Solo and we're like, oh, it looks like it's having a great opening weekend. Like, I remember there being like, oh, it's going to set Thursday records like for May, all this stuff. And we come out and all of a sudden the, it just it dies off after that first weekend. It just which does is, not become a box office. Which is phenomenon. also really sad because it did fine. Yeah. Any other movie would be like, yeah. we had a really strong weekend and, and we made a good amount of our budget back. But for Star Wars, the expectations were yeah. so high, especially after, yeah. despite people saying they hated The Last Jedi, they made that thing make even more money than, yeah. like, Force Awakens. Like, yeah. that thing made tons of money. I mean, The Last Jedi did not make more money than Force Awakens. Well... I mean, it made, like, 33% less just in the U.S. alone. So, I mean, yeah. let's not get our facts wrong here, but, I mean, I get what you're saying. But what I'm, But what I'm saying is... Star Wars, even the one that everyone hated, yeah, performed better than any movie outside of the Marvel franchise. Yeah. And Solo performed like a good middle to upper tier film. Yeah. Not a blockbuster. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. I mean, it, it, for us, I think or I'm only going to speak for myself. For me, mm-hmm. it was a tough time because here I am saying, OK, I love The Last Jedi. I want more of this. Yeah. To me, oh, these, you know, these angry people on the internet, it will subside. Like, this will just be this one moment. Right. And then here we are five months later, and like, oh, maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> maybe people really don't like Star Wars anymore. Maybe I'm in the minority, and I did love The Last Jedi, and I love Solo, and now people aren't going to see Solo. Is it? because of the last jedi is it because it's in may is it because the marketing was so weird is it because there wasn't a force friday you know here i'm like 
oh my gosh, is is all of a sudden Star Wars just going to be all Rogue Ones and I'm not going to enjoy it as much? And like, it'll be fine, but it'll become just another movie. It won't be this event. And it started all of these thoughts for me for like a full year. I was just kind of like, oh, oh no. Like, what if all Faith. this hate that I'm reading is right? What if people really are just this miserable and want to pick everything apart this much? And <laughs> and speaking of not wanting to go to Celebration, I was signed up to go to Chicago. And I'm like, is is it just going to be hate? Yeah. Because we thought Solo was going to sort of recalibrate things. And then yeah. that, that Solo was going to be this just, you know, um, warm milk, fuzzy feelings. Everyone's afterwards going to be like, oh, Star Wars is fine. I, yeah. I mean, I didn't like Last Jedi, but Star Wars is back on its feet kind of thing. Yeah. And that didn't happen. Yeah. And so and, going and to Chicago, I was expecting it to be yeah. like everyone around me to be like, hey, how's it going? Oh, yeah. how's it going? Do you like Last Jedi? I feel that this is a question that's going to make or break us being friends. Yeah, yeah it, it's kind of it's interesting because it was OK. Here we are in the beginning of 2018, this first half of 2018. And this is the happiest I've ever been. The Last Jedi is like my favorite saga film since Star Wars. Like the mm -hmm. only one I like more is A New Hope. And honestly, the only reason I like it more is because it can stand on its own where The Last Jedi can't. Right. Right. You need the seven other films that come before to really appreciate it, I think. Yep. Right. And then like, okay. And then I love Solo. Like Solo is exactly what I want from this big company, these anthology films. This is what I want. Right? right. Give me a 14 year old Leia, you know, just getting involved with the with the rebellion. Give Show me, me that dang Kenobi between yeah, three and like, four. Give yeah. me these moments and tell me new stories, too. But like fill in the gaps with other actors, well, other stories like this is great. And that felt what, like the anthologies, what became Star Wars stories was going to be. And then right. after Solo, they're like, we're not making those anymore. Right. And it was like it was basically a time when I was so happy with where things were headed. And then all of a sudden, everyone's screaming, you well, know, you're wrong. You're wrong. These things are terrible. And, this is not what Star Wars is. And I went through that with Rogue One. And that that's dissonance. Frustrating. Of, I feel this way, but everyone around me feels differently. Yeah. Who's wrong, them or me? Yeah. And then you have to get to that weird middle ground of being an adult going like, neither of us. Yes. It's just opinions. And that really brings us, at least for me, to where we are this last year. Of Like, you know what? At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Right. Because Disney will either react to fan reaction, they'll react to box office numbers, or they won't. Right. What I feel or the points I make on the internet with people won't change that. And right. so for me, I'm just sitting here thinking, you know, I've liked all four of these movies. There are two, Last Jedi and Solo, that I think are significantly better and more interesting than the other two. But that doesn't mean I don't like those other two. I think Force Awakens is a ton of fun. And for me, it's like, the best, oh, it's on, so I'm going to watch it movie of all time. Of like, <laughs> this is just fun, and I'm going to sit back and watch it. But to me, those other two feel more hollow. They don't have the heart mm -hmm. in, in a lot of ways. Um, and, th and that may sound too harsh, because it's, I don't think that's really what I mean. What I mean is, the other two feel more emotionally powerful. Yeah. The characters feel more developed and more interesting. Well, again, framing it, I think, correctly. It hits the beats of the things we fell in love with Star Wars. Yeah. Um, you know, for me, like even I, who, again, I love characters, but like I'm more of a world guy. My favorite character, and ironically, is Coruscant. Yeah. Um, like when I saw Soul and I saw Coronet City, mm -hmm. I'm like, this is a place I've read about a hundred times. Now I know that it's space Detroit. Who knew? <laughs> um, like seeing that was really exciting to me. Um, whereas Rogue One, other than the U-Wing, which I love. Um, it 
felt more like someone just dumped a box of the Star Wars toys on the beach mm-hmm. and played with them. And that mm-hmm. was fine, but it didn't feel as exciting to me, yeah. um, to me. And that, that's the whole thing to me from right. this certain point of view. I have my opinions about Star Wars, but I think even with the ups and downs that Disney has done, we we are leading into this weekend with perhaps most the most exciting surprise Star Wars can give us of what is the rise of Skywalker? Yeah. Is it the continuation of the themes from Last Jedi? Is it readjusting the formula back to The Force Awakens? Is it something whole cloth new that's different than both of those? Which, let's be honest, is probably the answer. Um, it probably is going to give we'll us surprises. See. We'll see. But I, I think yeah. after, for me, like after playing the uh, Fallen Order and feeling a really great Star Wars story and the Mandalorian keeps just firing all cylinders for literally everything I love yeah. about Star Wars is inside that show. Yeah. Um, It's really exciting to see that, you know what? I think the most crazy thing is I cannot be disappointed or completely blown away by this film in the sense that if it's great, awesome. Star Wars just keeps going in 2019 was a great year for Star Wars. If I have a Rogue One level reaction to it, it won't matter because there's another episode of Mandalorian coming out the next day. And (laughs) and. Disney has gotten that aperture wide enough yeah. that they understand there's a lot of gates of entry to the theme park that is Star Wars, including yeah. a theme park. Um, yeah. And that Star Wars is for everyone, but that doesn't mean all of Star Wars is for everybody. Yeah, And that is a great place for the franchise to be that even if you never find it in your heart to find a single second or frame of last Jedi to like, they didn't take the original trilogy from you. They're not going to stop telling stories about the characters you do care about. They are going to keep building this universe out. And it's just, we got to, we had six films. We all could agree. We liked a lot, a lot, or at least three that we always all liked. And now with all these generations, it's going to be a different collection of what you like. Yeah. And it's like every other fandom. If you like Marvel Comics, that doesn't mean you like every single character in the entire stable of Marvel Comics. You can't because it's big and wide. And so if you love Doctor Strange, that doesn't mean you liked Iron Man. They're very different characters from different ends of a a vast, wide galaxy. But it's exciting they live in the same world. And I think Star Wars is maturing into that now. That the Mandalorian can have his down and dirty, rough and tumble, laser guns, western... At the same time, we can have a war epic like Rogue One. At the same time, we can have a more slapsticky heist movie like Solo. Like, we can have all of these genres and all of these different things going on in Star Wars. And I think for older fans like us, and even older fans, it is, it's just accepting the fact that Star Wars is going to keep growing, even if we're not a part of every single facet like we've been yeah. up to this point. I mean, I agree. I it's interesting because when you look at it like outside of the the fandom, mm-hmm. right? I'm extremely happy with the last four years of Star Wars. Yeah. Like it's been great. I, I think it's exactly what I thought in twenty twelve of like, oh, this is gonna be great because we're actually gonna get content at a reasonable pace. Yep. Which Lucasfilm under George Lucas wasn't gonna provide for us ever. They just right. weren't, right? We're finally getting what I wanted out of it, and it's great. I think it's just 
through the lens of some of the fan reaction, it's a little bit harder. So basically cool. the approach I've taken this last year is just, it doesn't matter. And I'm going to keep rolling with it because yeah. I'm loving it. I'm having a ton of fun. I'm enjoying it. And you know what? If someone wants to come up to me and goes like, oh, you're wrong for liking that movie. Well, that's okay. Whatever. Like, I'm not going to get in an argument about it. Well, and, I'm and not going to be the thing. one to bring it up. And it's no it more matter. inappropriate them saying to us that we shouldn't like Last Jedi than it is for us. Well, you should like it because yeah. it's an emotional thing. Yeah. And the bigger this galaxy gets, the further away from different points in that galaxy we're going to get. And the things yeah. that you love about Star Wars may not be. I guess the whole point is. The Walt Disney Company, for better or worse, to wrap this whole thing up. They now control the destiny of Star Wars and every single person who works on those franchises now is someone who grew up with it. They love it like we love it, regardless of what you want to think. They love it like we do. But what they love and what you love and what is Star Wars to them and is Star Wars to you and more importantly, what Star Wars could be to you and what Star Wars could be to them is going to keep getting different because for the galaxy to get bigger, it has to drift away from where it started. Yeah. And you're either excited about that or not. But again, the best part is it's the Walt Disney company. They're still selling snow white from 1930 freaking five. Like (laughs) they will keep selling you 1977 star Wars for as long as you will buy it. So the nice thing about Disney is they're very good at brand care and they're never going to take your toys away from you, even as they make more and more new toys that you may not want to play with. And that's that's ex- the benefit of, uh, you know, paying for $4 billion for something. Yeah. You're and already making, making it well more of yeah. that over. <laughs> um, so again, it's exciting. It's a different era. And uh, that the first phase of this era comes to a close in just a couple of hours. Yeah, we've never been closer. We have never been closer. And so um, we will, uh, we'll wrap up here. Let's go see a movie. huh? Let's go see a movie. Okay. And hey, another Star Wars All-In comes to a close. Uh, What I fear might be our most controversial episode ever. We didn't start that way, but it certainly ended up that way. Yeah, you know, we planned this episode as like, well, we're going to be doing three different shows this week. We got to keep it tight and small. We might as well just do something. We don't have to do any research for. It'll just be more like our experiences. I mean, hey, episode 10, we did a Force Friday retrospective. Now here we are 10 episodes later. Let's do a a premiere retrospective. Of just what it was like to go to the theater, not our emotional states and belief systems. Oh, well, that's what we talked about. Well, sometimes we get off track a little bit here. So, hey, uh, we hope you found some enjoyment in this episode. And if you're someone who, uh, you know, has an opinion on uh, on what we said, please feel free to let us know. We'd be happy to hear from you. But, I mean, let's just go see a movie, Mac, and then let's all get back together on Friday and talk about it. And again, just programming, just to remind you, like we said at the top of the show, um, we've already had on Monday, you may have already listened to our special edition where we talked about our predictions. Uh, Today, we have our normal release. And on Friday, we have special number two already, which is going to be, we are going to, the plan is. um, Yes, the plan. 
right after Star Wars, we we and anyone who wants to come along with us from our showing, uh, we're going to bring them back to the Palatial Podcasting Studio, and we're going to record a... He's about to say really short. Yeah. We're going to record a yeah, whatever right. length it turns out to be of trying to give you that house lights come up in the theater talk about what we thought of our initial impressions of Star Wars yeah. before we even see it a second time. Just what was the rise of Skywalker? How did we feel about it? What parts did we like? What parts were intriguing? And again, just revel with you as we usher a new Star Wars into the canon. So uh, join us on experience. Friday. Yeah, I'm very excited. Um, I mean, I took seven days off for Star Wars. So I'm ready to roll. It's... Uh, I, I'm excited. I mean, the only plans I have for Friday are to go see it again and then record another episode with you at like seven o'clock that night. Right. So like we can stay up as late as we want. If we want to do a four hour well, uh, postmortem, we can. I think, the, like, like I said, I think the only thing I will spare you, the listener for him is when we've run out of ideas going, that was so cool. That was so cool. I thought that was cool too. If that's all we're talking about, we will, once we get past the hour mark, start saying like, maybe if that's all we have to say is I saw a shiny object. Did you see it too? We'll yeah. move on. We do have one other little fun thing there. I will have seen it twice. Oh, that's right. So I will have you're had cheating. that minute. Yeah, I couldn't you, help you, myself. Because when once they announced, oh, there's also five o'clock showings. Russ like, oh, I need to go to five. Well, you know, I wanted to see it with you as we have done. As we've done every time. And I wanted to see it with our other friend, Chris. But Chris ended up going to the, as a girlfriend now. So going to go to the showing she wants. I mean, come on. Right? Right. So uh, I'm going to go with Chris and then I'm going to go with you. And it's going to be awesome. And, and then all we're going to go again you, the next day. And I'm going to stare. I'm staring yeah. right into your eyes yeah. right now. Yeah. Your face has to be stone. <laughs> I can learn nothing from you. Well, I want to go in clean, my, like a clean room. My face, to be fair, is more Play-Doh than stone. Yes. But I will make sure that it is as blank. It'll just be the Because I don't want to even hear if you liked it or didn't yeah. like it. Oh, okay. Because because let's put it this way. I'll be all good. The worst thing you could possibly do is like, yeah, I don't want to see it again. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. I just sent you. Oh, no. The, the same text you sent me after Rogue One of like, <laughs> the same text. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I just can't do it. I'm sorry. I just can't do it. I'll just be like, what is this movie? <laughs> um, I, I don't think that'll be a problem. I will but try my best. The point not of the matter is we will be coming in fresh because the biggest thing about it is, Ross, you'll still be coming in fresh because you'll be able to talk to like Chris's girlfriend for about. 15 minutes before you have to get to another showing. <laughs> so really you're still going to hear yeah. Ross's generally first impressions. Yeah, of I'm going to stay off the internet until the we biggest record. thing about it is Ross will be able to go. like, what, what, what do you say? And Ross is like, well, he said this. Cause I missed that in the first show and the second show. And I really listened for it. Yeah. We're going to have that advantage. So yeah. we hope to give you a, a, a good show. And um, that is a special. So again, if you're, if you're trying to avoid, you know, maybe you can't see it till January or something. I don't know. Um, don't worry. Those are kind of aside from our weekly yeah. shows. We will be back next week. And, um, just to let you know, this, for all intents and purposes, is the end of season one. Like we told you at the beginning of the show, next week is going to be a holiday special, a Wookiee Life Day special, if you will. Mm -hmm, um, we're going to be mm -hmm. talking with our good friend Vito about things of the holidays, such as the holiday special. Um, so join us for that. It's going to be a kind of fun conversation. It's going to be kind of a little bit of a mm -hmm. special treat. And then we will start season two of Star yeah. Wars All In January on the first, first. day. Yeah, Why, might as well start strong, get 52 episodes next year. We'll have a new era of Star Wars to dive right into, and we hope you will join us. So until then, 
may the force be with you. This production is not endorsed by any other property and is the sole responsibility of Mac Purvis III, Ross Grico, and those involved in its production. It is meant for entertainment purposes only. Other than content provided by this production's providers, all music, movie clips, and sound bites, rights are reserved, and their respective owners have not endorsed any aspect of this show. Copyright 2019.